Morning, he says, trying to sound uh, all bouncy-bouncy. So I don't think we'll be doing these sort of the, uh, the high lows today. It was fine yesterday. I'll tell you what I think I've done. I think I've made a mistake. I think last night when I sort of uh, got in, or yesterday when I got in, I was sort of, uh, we had a nice busy day. We were chatting away to uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan and Jenny Agata. And today, God willing, we've got Bear Grylls and Kate O'Mara to talk to you. We've just heard Bear on the, uh, the news there. And I stupidly had a glass of wine last night. And I have a feeling that if you've got a sore throat, you shouldn't drink white wine. I've got this feeling somewhere in the back of my mind that somebody had said to me once, if you drink white wine, it exacerbates a situation. And I can't remember why I drank a glass of white wine, apart from the fact it was Monday. And I remember thinking, let's celebrate the fact it's Monday. So I had a glass of then I had another glass of white wine. And then, to be honest with you, by the time you've had sort of like two or three of them, and I have a feeling that that did it, because I, when I went to... Because a friend of mine phoned me, and I said, listen, my throat's a little bit sore at the moment. I said, so don't... don't I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll speak to you tomorrow. There's nothing that, you know, we, we need to talk about now. We'll, we'll hang off till tomorrow. And then I woke up this morning, and I do the same thing every morning when I wake up. I mean, how daft am I? I sort of... I get up and I always go... <clears throat> morning! <laughs> See what it sounds like. So I was standing in the bathroom, sort of looking at myself in the mirror, thinking, well, you look fine. And then I went... Morning, and hardly anything came out. It was like a bit of a whisper. So I thought, right, cup of tea. So I go and have a cup of tea. And I'm not totally convinced now that cups of tea are good for you, but anyway, I'm having a cup of tea anyway. And so I have the cup of tea, and I'm sitting in front of the television, and I'm watching a programme about bare-knuckle fighting with travellers in Ireland, where this family dissed this family. It was just such a big bunch of poofs. You've never seen anything like it. It was just driving me mad. And, you know, because this family said something to us seven years ago, we've now got to fight you. And, and there was 30 grand on the table for fighting. And I thought, why can't you just shake hands, you know, have yourself a rich tea biscuit, a cup of tea, and sit down and, and be sort of grown up about it. No, they had to do the bare-knuckle fighting. So I'm sort of watching this programme, and in between that, I'm having a shave. And, getting, and unfortunately, when you're watching the television first thing in the morning in the sitting room, I c- you kind of lose track of time. So I'm sitting there watching it. Before I knew what had happened, it was quarter past three. Now, quarter past three is normally... The, not quarter past three, quarter past two. It's normally the time I throw myself into the shower with great gusto. When I say throw, sort of gradually lower myself in at the moment. And, um, and so I'm sort of watching, and I'm getting so caught up in this programme and the fact that all these people... Are, and even the, the interviewer said at one point to one of the, the guys, he said, why don't you just shake hands and talk it over? And he said, you're having a laugh. And uh, and then they had this bare-knuckle fight. Although they both admitted, strangely, that um, <clears throat> they didn't want to really do it. It's just that they've been brought up to do this now. And it's obviously some sort of ancient, old, stupid tradition that's got nothing to do with anything. You can't even have two people living in harmony, you know, on a caravan site. They've got to go out there. One of the fights lasted two hours and ten minutes. And in the end, one of them went... You know, I don't want to fight anymore. And the other went, oh, I'm the winner. And I thought, that was a bit of a dreary ending, wasn't it? I was looking for, I was looking for a death at least. But they go to the gym and they do it. And it was, it was all a bit tedious and boring, actually. But I found myself gripped by it. But I'm, st- I'm talking to the television. And I get in the car and I've got my little bottle of water. And I always time myself now to see how long it is before the first cough arrives. So you sit there and you're, so, I'm thinking about all sorts of things. I'm thinking about nobody's claimed the 22 million. Just supposing it's me, how would I react later on today? So I began thinking about that. And uh, then a couple... And then all of a sudden I thought, oh, I'm going to cough. I'm going to little cough. So I had a little cough, and that was OK. And I got my bottle of water with me. So I'm now addicted to Scottish water. I take it with me everywhere. Unfortunately, it's not the little, you know, dinky bottles. This is the blooming big thing that you carry around with you. Far too big for popping in your pocket. So I sit in the back, and then I have another cough a bit further down the line. <clears throat> and then, because of 
the fact it's freezing cold outside this morning. I mean, it is, it's cold. Whichever way you look at it, it's cold. And, uh, and I, I got dropped off by the car and a little swig of me water. And I walked up the, the alley by the side. Oh, gosh, it's cold this morning. And I got to the front door. The wind is whistling around. And you push, push the door button. They all open the door as quick as possible. It's so cold out here. And I wish I'd put a vest on. But I don't wear vests. And I don't wear T-shirts, really. And uh, so I'm just, you know, butch. I thought talking to Bear Grylls today, I mean, I doubt he wears a vest either. Can't have your vest on, can you? Some people look good in a vest. I'm not one of those sort of people. So today I thought perhaps I should have put a, a bigger coat on, but I never did. I never did. And then I'm listening to Christo, listening to that nasty man who's had everything going on in his life. He went through everything from hemorrhaging to, to boozing to shoplifting to this and to that. And I thought, just when you think your life can't get any worse, you hear somebody else's life, which sounds tremendously awful. And you think, how do people get through it? But then I also think that people who've, who drink and people who um, have lots of illnesses, they want to talk about them. So, in other words, for friends and family get, we've heard it all before, we've heard it all before, don't want to hear it again. And then, then you find another outlet for somebody listening to you. And I think it's very therapeutic to tell people. I mean, I never mention my illnesses on air, as you know. I'm very good at keeping everything very much inside. If I've got a cold or a sore throat, I never mention it. I never mention it at all. Although I think somewhat this morning it's going to make me sound a little bit sexy. A little bit sexy. You know, I could actually be doing voiceovers for sort of love albums and things like that. <clears throat> or filling that anodine extra or some, or pro, pro, some proactive yoghurts. I quite fancy the idea of a proactive yoghurt. But it's just one of those annoying things. If you've got a sore throat, and I've, believe you me, I've taken everything this morning. I've taken all the advice. I've done everything. And it's just doing... It's just doing the rounds, I'm afraid. You just have to wait till it goes. But uh, I was talking to Joanne Webb the other day. You know, she does travel for us a while ago, back on LBC 97.3. And she said she's got the same thing. She said she's got this silly cough. I said, I've had it for six weeks. I said, but I spoke to a lady yesterday who'd had it for a year. A year for a cough. And you think, will it never go away? And I don't know what the answer is. I've tried everything. I put hot flannels on my throat. You know, you've done everything. I was going to buy some lemons yesterday, but to be honest with you, by the time I got back in, I didn't get back in until about, um, about half past one uh, the other day, I thought, I haven't really got the strength to go out and get lemons. I don't know why. <laughs> I just didn't have. And, of course, you know I had a complete cock-up with my VAT. Because I went to file online, pushed the wrong button, it comes back, you have no VAT to pay. And, of course, I have got VAT to pay. So I wrote to them, as yet, no reply. So today I'm going to have to phone up the VAT, the customs and excise people, and say, listen, I really want to pay you this money. I really want to pay. I don't want to get a fine, but I'm going to, because I think today is the 6th, and I think it has to be in by the 7th. So they need to tell me today how I pay this money in. Because I'd, I'd pushed the wrong button, and it registered as zero as opposed to the amount I should have paid, uh, they said, you can't, can't pay it online because it will confuse the system, because it'll have up zero VAT. You've sent in money. We've then got to send it back to you. She said, so write to this company in Liverpool. So I wrote to the company in Liverpool, and that was about two weeks ago. So far, they've written nothing back. Nothing, not a penny piece, you know, which is lovely, you probably think, you know, save a, But no, because if I'm late, I get fined 100 quid. So I'm working on the assumption they're going to drag it out for the extra day to get the £100, you know, like sort of rap on the knuckles for being a bit of a naughty boy. My fault, actually, it was another experience with a bottle, bottle of wine, I'm afraid. <laughs> Sitting there and pushed the wrong stupid... I've only got to fill in three amounts. It's not complicated, and most of the time the computer does it for you. And every year and every quarter, I put it off a little bit further, and then I do it, and this time I made the mistake, and when I clicked the button, it went, your VAT form has been accepted, you have zero to pay. 
And I thought, no, I've put it in the wrong box. My accountant had to write down everything. It's dreadful, isn't it, really? Anyway, I hope you are well, and I uh, hope you're sort of looking forward to Tuesday. There'll be people who were off yesterday, and, uh, and they'll be coming into work today and probably feeling as bad. I don't feel bad. I don't, I don't feel ill at all. That's a stupid thing. I feel absolutely tip-top, 100%. It's just that you've got this stupid sore throat. And if you could wave a magic wand or pay somebody £1,000, then they would, uh, they would sort it out for you. Uh, Daily Mirror, still going on today about Pauline Quirk, my story. To be honest with you, you know, lovely though Pauline Quirk is, and I love Pauline Quirk, always been a big, big fan of everything she does. I'm not remotely interested in somebody losing weight nowadays. I'm really not. You know, she got paid by a company to promote them, and then she brought out a book on losing weight. Presumably, there's no acting work out there, and yet she's just finished in Emmerdale, which is a very strange place to live. I was watching the other day, and the gay guy in Emmerdale has now found another partner. He is the only gay in the village. He is the only gay in the village in Emmerdale, but he's now found another gay in the village. But they're always so so coy about it. It's quite nice to see butch gays... For a change, because yesterday we were treated to all sorts of things. I turned on the Jeremy Kyle show, and there's a girl there who hadn't seen her father for, I don't know, like ten years. She was so foul-mouthed, it was unreal. And then she had a lesbian girlfriend, <clears throat> who they brought on. Well, to be honest with you, I've never seen anybody dress either so badly or behave so badly to somebody else's parent. It was really disgraceful. She was a she was a shocking looking creature at the best of times. There was there was a whole program yesterday on Jeremy Kyle of they must have found the really unattractive ones. There was nobody nobody attractive on the program at all. And I sat there thinking, you know, it's it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? You know, when you look at all the people on the television, thinking, where do they come from? And the answer is, I think they're waiting in Jeremy Kyle's dressing room. I think Jeremy Kyle has a room full of unattractive people and they just bring them out on the programme. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. There's a bloke here who went out, <clears throat> not in Vegas, but in Liverpool. He went out to a bar and, uh, and he bought... Well, he bought a lot of booze. How much money did he spend on booze in one night? I mean, I don't know if this is how, how Christo started. I know he didn't, because he hasn't had a look at the papers this morning. This is a bar bill for a, a city fizz kid... What do you think he spent in Liverpool? I mean, you'd be hard-pushed to spend this, but he had... Um, he was splashing out money. 203000 on a bar bill. £203,948. He had two £2,000 bottles of Grey Goose. That's a vodka, isn't it? Grey Goose is a vodka. £2,000... How can it be £2,000 a bottle? He, he spent on a bottle here of... Um, I don't know what it is, actually... Uh, a Midas, 30-litre bottle of Ace of Spades champagne. And that cost 125,000 quid. What an idiot. What a complete buffoon. He had a bottle of Spades Met. I don't even know what that is. £24,000. He had two uh, bottles of Spades. I've never even heard of Spades. I've never even heard of it. I've heard, I thought I'd heard of every champagne under the sun, but this is a Midas 30-litre bottle of Ace of Spades champagne. I've never even heard of it. I thought people drank Cristal, if they had any class, or failing that, you know, just something sparkling. But a bottle of champagne at £125,000. You'd have to be an idiot, wouldn't you? In Liverpool. You could have bought the whole of Liverpool for that price. He had two um, Rose Magnums. Oh, sorry, six... Rose Magnums of champagne, 325 quid a bottle. I know they do markups in clubs, but by God. Anyway, in, in the end, he spent um, 
£4,000 on liquor, 181000 on wine, and on the soft drinks, 206 They put a cent there, the cheek, to put a 10% service charge of 18,000 quid on there. What a bunch of tight-fisted so-and-sos in this bar. Isn't that disgraceful? Currency trader Alex Hope splashed out this money. He's only 23. What an idiot. £18,000 service charge. Now, of course, as you know, you can knock that off a bill. You don't have to pay it. You do not have to pay a service charge. But, uh, of course, all the girlies were crowding round. As you can well imagine, somebody spending that much... My God, that makes footballers look cheap. Makes footballers look very, very cheap. I quite like the idea, though, that you're that stupid you spend that much money. 23 and still dumb. Probably living at home with mum. Uh, here is the ridiculous Amy Childs and even Clemmy Moody. They finally decided to do the uh, the kickback into Amy Childs. She says, I've got two words, beyond ridiculous. Amy Childs, 21, really should have given more thought to how dressing like a streetwalker could help shift her new fake eyelash range. You've never seen anybody look so cheap and tacky in your life. I mean, I really feel sorry for Amy Childs. Child by name, child by nature. Dim as a plank, I'm afraid. And uh, she was there to try and launch some, some new eyelashes. But dressing, as, uh, as Clemmy says, like a streetwalker. You really need to get your act together, Amy. You're beginning to become more ridiculous by the day. Ill. Morning, eight... Oh, blimey, that didn't come out very well, did it? Let's just do the... It's 18 minutes past. So much easier. Actually, i tell you what I'd like to hear from you this morning. Uh, <clears throat> firstly, we'll, we'll, we'll go through the papers and we'll see what's, uh, what's about, just in case there's anything that's remotely interesting. Uh, secondly, uh, how your husband or wife wrecks your night's sleep and how you cope with it. I was always told separate bedrooms works a treat. And uh, the story in the Mail Online is uh, about the fact that he snores like a warthog, she kicks like a camel. She's always freezing cold. He complains of being too hot. Every night, bedrooms turn into battlegrounds with research suggesting half of all our sleep disturbances in an average night are due to our partner. Because, as you know, sleep is a precious commodity. I mean, it really is. You know, the idea of climbing to bed and going, right, that's it. Turning off the phone, turning out the lights, blacking out the bedroom. I'm going to sleep for a for hundred years. Last month, scientists at Yale University reported that a disrupted sleep pattern may lower immunity. You know, most people get up, they go to the loo, people sleepwalk, uh, people have nightmares. A lot of people dream. Twitching, apparently. Twitching is very common in bed. I don't know, sometimes I'm, I'll be lying there and all of a sudden you get like a, an electric shock through your body. And you sort of do an involuntary convulsion. I've had that a few times. We've had that more than a, more than a few times. But a kick or an elbow is a common hazard of sharing a bed. Because normally, you know, if you're sharing a bed, that's your side, that's my side. Or if you're fairly elderly, that's your room, this is my room. OK, but when you're, when you're young, you sort of, sort of cosy up in sort of fetal position. But I don't know how people can sleep like that. I really don't know how people can sleep. I get really hot in bed. Sometimes, I mean, I really get hot in bed. So they tell me. Uh, <clears throat> one, one occasion, 1963, I think it was. Uh, then there's also the duvet wars, isn't there? The duvet is never quite enough to cover two people in bed. So you end up, you know, slowly moving the duvet over, and then you pull a little, and then you pull a bit more. And then in the end, you think, right, that's it. And then you pull it completely off them, so they've got no duvet whatsoever. I've done that on many an occasion. I quite like the idea of fighting over the duvet, because we don't have big enough duvets. We've all got doubles or you've got king side, but it's never big enough. Never, ever big enough, I'm afraid, at all. Um, <clears throat> James says, I might be stating the obvious, but have you been to a physician? A physician? Do you mean a doctor? 
Nobody calls them physicians anymore. Of course. Yes, I have. Uh, we've already had the antibiotics, I'm afraid. It's, it's done no good whatsoever. Yes, I've been on the course of antibiotics. Like, in fact, I was talking to Joe. She's also been on them the other day. She's done the antibiotics. We've done the gargling. We've done absolutely everything. Absolutely. Absolutely everything. Incidentally, talking of everything, Bob in Manchester is an obviously an RBS customer. He says, all done and easy, as you said. This is for people who don't want to move over to Santander, like would you want to? And so if you want to stay with RBS, you go in, ask them for a form. In fact, I just... I mean, can I just... I must read you this, uh, this little bit that's on the form. I printed it off myself this morning, just so I could tell you, because... It's, it's such a straightforward form. It's so simple. This is, all you have to do is put down the account name, the sort code, uh, the account number, the type of account, and then all accounts linked to the above account will be transferred. And then it says further down, by signing this form, I confirm that my decision to move my account to another branch has not been influenced by anything that any member of RBS staff has done or not done, because they're not allowed to tell you. I don't work for RBS. I can tell you, if you don't want to move to Santander, go into an RBS branch and uh, get one of these forms. It's called Request to Transfer Account. Request to Transfer Account. They'll know exactly what you're doing. And then you just send it off. But you've got to do it by the end of this month. And it's got to go up to Liverpool, which is where my last form went for the uh, Inland Revenue, for the Customs. And they haven't replied. I bet that's got lost somewhere up there. Ooh, I wonder if there's any money in this one. You know, that kind of thing. And so just, just get the form sign it and uh, and then return it and then you just carry on using your accounts and they will then let you know when you've been transferred to another branch but the reason they have to do it is they've signed the deal with Santander saying that they will not try so imagine if, if you've actually got some really good RBS customers I don't think I'm a particularly good customer I'm just a customer uh, and they've got millions of pounds Santander want to get their hands on that if you're RBS you'll be thinking we'd quite like to hold some of these customers I know that all the staff have been transferred to uh, RBS in uh, in Scotland as well. So I want to go there too. It's good enough for the staff. It's good enough for me. I don't want to go to Santander. Luckily, we're allowed to, to have a decision in this day and age. So go into the branch. They'll print you off the form very quickly. Sign it. Get it back to them as fast as possible. And they will then do the rest of it. And that way you keep everything as is at the moment. You don't want to sort of don't want to lose everything, do you? So Bob has done his in Manchester. Well done. <clears throat> Which is good. Uh, 84850... Please make the payment regardless, says Paul. No, you can't. I've already spoken to them. No, 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 no. Confusion of the system is not your problem. It is, I'm afraid. It is. Uh, I spoke to him. She said, don't make the system because up on the computer, it's come back as zero on my account. So you cannot make payment and they won't be expecting it. So, and it, it isn't their IT problem. It's my problem because I didn't fill in the form correctly. What I should have done is you fill in the amount you've earned in the box one, then box three, the amount of uh, VAT you owe them, the millions, I tell you, it's dreadful. I'm trying to raid the offshore accounts, it's awful. And, um, and then what you do is you then just fill in. So it's only three amounts I've got to fill in, and two of them are the same, but I put the wrong item, I put the, the, uh, uh, the VAT due in the boxes, deduct it from box number three or whatever it was. So it's not their IT problem, it's mine, I'm afraid. It's my problem for, for not doing it properly. But when I phoned up, she said, don't worry, it's quite a common problem. <laughs> Didn't feel so bad about life after that. Thought to myself, oh, what if everybody else is doing it? Who cares? <laughs> and uh, so I've written to them. All I need them to do is now tell me whether they can reset the computer or whether they just do a separate thing and then I just pay, pay the money over. We do it. We, 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 we transfer anyway which is so much quicker in this day and age. Uh, talking to people transferring over, front page of The Sun this morning, it's uh, Sarah Jane Smith. She's a lying old crook. She's a benefit fraudster. Sadly, 
Um, she wasn't, uh, she was spared jail. I don't know what's the matter with the courts in this country. Apparently, you know, it's, it's easy. Just, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the courts seem to be concerned, carry on benefit swindling, because when you do get caught, nothing will happen to you. This one is so disgusting, and there's a picture of her in the paper today. I mean, she looks a bit disgusting as well. Um, she concocted ten children. Not only concocted ten children, but she claimed that two of them were disabled. I mean, how much, how much lower than pond life do you want to get? And um, she falsely claimed she was disabled. She admitted fraud, but was spared jail by a judge. Why? Because presumably they'd have to look after the ten kids. I would have thought, actually, condoms would be useful for this woman. But um, anyway, a criminal investigation began in 2009. She was repeatedly warned to stop claiming. But of course, you know, people carry on. You know, once you're on the system, it's very difficult to get yourself off the system. So she carried on claiming the money. Luckily, there's a picture of her in the paper today. And uh, I hope people were throwing rotten eggs at her and shouting and booing her in the street. <coughs> Which is always entertaining. There's a, <coughs> excuse me, a Tesco store manager. This one here, I mean, blimey, you can't, you can't beat some of these people in the papers today. This one has been jailed for six years because he told colleagues at work that he had cancer. And so they, so they collected loads of money for him. You know, as, as you would, as you would. Nick Jackson told workmakers he had a pacemaker and that his son had cerebral palsy. What a dis... I mean, you can't believe the filth that's out there. Staff gave him cheques and bundles of cash to fund the private life-saving treatment he claimed he needed. The only thing that he had wrong, he had a foot injury through playing football. He spent the money going on holiday to Las Vegas and Hawaii, and while in Vegas... He texted his victims, claiming it was his son's hospital bedside, so sent him more money. What a piece of disgusting... Oh, dear. Neil Jackson gets six years for conning 60 grand out of people, and yet this mum, who pretended she had ten children and managed to scam 42,000 quid, gets off. I would be going round to these people's houses. Anybody who benefit frauds, I'd be taking the car, I'd be taking the fridge, the freezer, the television, every computer that you can find in the house, and going, start again from scratch, like the rest of the country. Start learning something. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I've never heard anything like it. These people sort of handing out, you know, money left, right and centre. It's not the first time I've heard of somebody, you know, pretending that they've got um, a terminal illness. <coughs> Excuse me, so that they can get money out of people. But to cynically do it to your work colleagues, you'd be like me coming in here and then and, and people, you know, and sort of saying, oh, I'm really, really ill. Although, actually, to be honest with you, I sound quite ill at the moment. But um, are people handing over money? I mean, to hand over £60,000 and nobody thought to check because you tend to take people on face value. You tend to believe what people say, I'm afraid. And it's strangely enough, a girl who wore boys' clothing... To, uh, to disguise the fact that she was a lesbian, this is Gemma Barker, created fake male identities so she could have sexual encounters with two girls aged 15 and 16. So they've now sent her to, uh, to prison. And there's a picture. Unfortunately, she comes from Staines. Sorry, Staines. One of your mistakes this morning, but as I said before, they normally trawl Staines to find people for the Jeremy Kyle show. And you've got to wander around the Elmsley Centre a couple of times to realise that that's where most of them appear to come from. 84850, stevenlbc.co.uk. And, um, 
So we need your help this morning to get us through this one. 0845 Why is it a picture of David Beckham always makes the papers? All it is is a picture of him and, uh, and his son, his eldest, to see the Lakers play. And so that's... And you th- it's... All they've done is they've mirrored an image. So when David's playing on his little computer, his son's playing on his computer. When David's got his hand on his chin, his son's got his hand on his chin. And so they've got Desmond Morris's uh, opinion of why it is chip off the old Beck... You know, whatever your father does, you tend to mirror. But it's a bit of a waste of time, really. More on that bloke who bought the £200,000 round, which is some going. And Stacey Solomon, (coughs) who says, well, she's just been dropped, actually. She was Celebrity Mum of the Year. Unfortunately, uh, they've actually been, been stripping her of her title because she was smoking while she was pregnant. She only smokes about three cigarettes a day. And she says here, I'm ashamed to smoke while pregnant, but I'm seeking help. It's very easy to stop smoking, as you know. All you have to do is just stop. But certainly not whilst you're pregnant. Not while you're pregnant. So, in fact, they only just discovered this, so they've taken the title away, which seems a bit mean. A little bit mean, I'm afraid. Even though probably not the best advice that she could have uh, could have offered. It's LBC 97.3. It's 4.30. Oh, dear, honestly, this cough is definitely getting worse. <laughs> definitely. Actually, there's more stories in the papers today. There's a lot of people criticising poor old dim Amy Childs, who's uh, promoting her her, um, her eyelash range. I mean, she just looks ridiculous. Really ridiculous. But there again, you know, there's the agents trying to get her out there, and so they've, they've, they'll make her do anything. And uh, Amy has promised her fan that uh, she's got more TV projects lined up. Oh, God, I do hope not, dear. Do us all a favour. Stay well off television. You're not telly-friendly. You're not very intelligent. You're not very interesting. You've got nothing to offer. Thank you very much indeed. Goodbye. And uh, Sam for Ears apparently has begged bosses of The Only Way is Essex, like you don't believe this story, to sex up the new series and draft in more hot fellas. Because at the moment it's a bunch of wusses on there, isn't it? If these are typical of the Essex fellas, I'd give up now, girls. If the best that you can manage is poor little Joey Essex... <coughs> of which apparently Sam Fayez said she went out with. Can't imagine when that was. I thought Essex, uh, Essex's Joey was only in love with himself. But there was a, another picture of somebody else in there who's another one. Looks about 12. He was having a spray tan in the series. Anything less than butch, you'd be hard pushed to find. Mario looks reasonably butch. The rest of them are just a bunch of drips, I'm afraid. It's no good just whitening somebody's teeth and sort of giving them a, a girly sort of hairstyle. Doesn't make them interesting. So poor Sam Fayez, who's about 20-something... Has already been out with Joey Essex, TJ and Mark Wright. And that's just in the time we've known her. But uh, strange enough, she says, uh, you know, I reckon there should be a lot more fun in the new series. A lot of us girls on the show are now single. There's a reason for it, Sam. It's because you're boring. It's because you're terribly, terribly dull and boring. She says, I'd like a builder or something like that. Somebody really hands-on and a bit grubby. A bit like yourself, then. A bit like yourself. We know what the family's like, Sam. So Sam, and she says, uh, no hair gel but they have to have good teeth, good shoes and smell good. I want somebody who's got a bit more of a Cockney accent than an Essex accent. I don't know, why don't you just be grateful for what you get, love, because so far you've been through three and you can't find anything you like. Or is it the fact they've ditched you? Sam and her dreary sister, I'm afraid, uh, should be ditched from the programme as soon as possible. In fact, possibly even quicker than that. It would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? Uh, Other stories today which are in the, uh, the papers we'll get round to a little bit later on. I got a very interesting letter, I'll tell you about that later, from, uh, from somebody I've not heard from for a while, and I was, I was very pleased about it as well. So, as well as um, talking about how you survive in bed with your partner, 
especially if you say, do you just get used to it after a period of time? Is it one of those... Because I've often wondered... I mean, I, I know that the Queen has a separate bedroom from Prince Philip, because I should imagine he snores like a mule. You've just got a feeling that when people get... I mean, if you are a little bit overweight, or you're old, <coughs> excuse me, or you smoke or you drink, then there is a very good chance that um, that you snore. If you drink before you go to bed alcohol, there's a very good chance you're going to snore. If you eat before... You, in fact, actually, there's nothing you do before you go to bed that's going to stop snoring. And you have to be very careful, because snoring can be quite quite dangerous for you. So what is the answer... What is the answer to sort of getting yourself a good night's sleep, apart from earmuffs? I thought to myself, putting in earplugs and sort of one of those little... I, I did try one once. You know, you get these uh, masks on the airline when they go, OK, we're now all going to go to sleep. So they pull the window blinds down and they give you these, <laughs> these stupid things to put on. And I, I put one on a short while ago. Got myself a, a lovely night's sleep. But when I woke up, I thought I'd gone blind because I'd forgotten I had the thing on. And I woke up and went... I can't see. And I suddenly realised I've got this stupid eye patch thing on. So I took it off and I felt a lot better about life. But I wonder, really, what the answer is. If you're in a relationship and one partner snores... I know people have come up with all sorts of uh, ideas, you know, tennis ball in the back of the pyjamas. Apparently, a, was it a packet of peas or something always works well. I, th- I think just keeping them awake is, is you know, every time they, they start to nod off, nudge them, go, don't you dare go to sleep. Or failing that... Do you have to sort of go to sleep quicker before your partner to make sure that you get the good night's sleep? Because I'm a fairly... I don't know if I'm a light sleeper or not, actually. I think I'm a fairly light sleeper. I don't seem to hear many things. Occasionally, somebody said to me, I phoned you last night, and I went, I heard nothing. I heard nothing at all. So I wonder what the answer is to that good night's sleep, especially if you've got a partner who snores or who kicks or who moves or who drags the duvet off. I mean, they really are the worst. I mean, many's the time... In the past, you know, you'd end up with the duvet on the floor. And in the end, it was easier to sleep on the floor because, frankly, you're going to get no joy. And then there's the other people who if you, you sort of roll over to your side of the bed and then they gradually move closer and closer. So in the end, you're teetering on the edge. You're practically borderline floor. And then eventually you, you, you've got your arm on the floor trying to stop yourself from falling on it. So you can't sleep. And they're, of course, having the best sleep because they've got the whole bed by this time. You know, you've got about a quarter of a share of pillow and your hand on the floor. So in the end, you think, oh, just give it up and go in the other room. I can't be fagged to sort of do anything like that. So what is the answer? 0845 6060973. Are you addicted to crisps? I only ask because I like a packet of crisps. I haven't had a packet of crisps for, for ages, but they brought out some new ones. Uh, they've got the calories of fruit. Uh, I think they're called pop chips. And they've got the usual barbecue potato, sour cream and onion. And they're made in a similar way to popcorn, making them the healthiest version of crisps yet. The finest potatoes, they say, are selected. Uh, little heat and pressure. Then it pops and becomes a crisp. So they're like... I've seen these before. These are not like mini poppadoms. They've got less calories than a banana. Less calories than a banana. And they're going to be in, uh, in a lot of the supermarkets... And I wonder really whether or not you'll be eating these or whether you just stick with the usual stuff. You know, if you've been used to eating Smith's Crisps or Golden Wonder or Watsits, you're going to stick with those, aren't you? You're not going to try anything particularly new because, you know, the kids go, well, I don't want to eat that. They go, listen, it's a healthy option. You go, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want a healthy option. I want to eat the same crisps I've eaten before. 0845 6060 973. 
84850 or stevenlbc.co.uk. So, you're snoring and the, uh, the horrible habits of your partner in bed and crisps. Do give us a ring and, uh, and let us know. Betty says, you sound awful. I know, I know. It's dreadful, isn't it, really? It's one of those things. It sort of, it sort of came on. In fact, really, I suppose, yesterday, sort of last night. And this week, I've got so many interviews to do. You'll probably find by the end of the programme, it'll be fine. It worked its way in. Because it was terrible at the beginning of the programme. It's getting a little bit better now. It'll, by the time I've probably sort of drunk half a bottle of water, it'd be great. I love the idea that the British athletes are being told not to shake hands in case they catch a bug. So I don't shake hands. I have shaken hands before. But I, I, can you pass them on like that? The mild bug which can knock athletes off their stride could be picked up in the quite stressful environment of the game. So, in other words, don't, don't shake hands. Don't shake hands. <laughs> Jonathan Wapping says, I suggested sucking on fresh ginger two weeks ago. You said you had something better and you're still suffering. Try it, you sound worse. It goes for ages, this one. You actually get it. You will all get it, I promise you. And, uh, and it, it clings on for ages and ages and ages. And you can't shake it. Just when you think it's gone, it comes back again. <laughs> a lot of people recommending all sorts of strange things. We, we, we don't actually reckon, we, we don't sort of read out any of these uh, things that you're recommending with aspirin and stuff like that in case people are allergic. And, uh, and I'm afraid it's, uh, it's a bit dangerous for them. And then you'll be responsible for murder. I just thought I'd mention that now, you know, just in case somebody died as a result of reading out some crackpot recipe. You know, somebody saying, first of all, get some coal dust, you know, put it in with a little bit of sort of cough linctus and all this kind of stuff. And it turns out it's some, you know, ancient remedy from their grandmother's time and she's been dead 40 years. No point killing everybody else at the same time. Uh, see, a lot of people saying root ginger and, uh, you know, which is, which is probably quite good, actually. But it's all sorts of things that you can take that you can't take. You know, gargling is supposed to be very good for you. But at the moment, we're just uh, we're having to work its way through. I think, to be honest with you, a day of not speaking could probably be the... I don't know, would that work as well? day of not speaking? Because I tend to find the more you speak, the more it, it sort of wears your voice in a bit. And it, and it does tend to get a little bit better. Noreen says, when is your cough going? You've got all those that remembers me. to rec- I know, this week especially, and next week. So many to record. PJ Proby's touring in the autumn. He's terrific. I'll be booking for him when they go on sale. She says, keep warm. God, freezing today. If you've just woken up, it is, f- it is freezing out there. Put on, put on some extra clothing this morning. I'll tell you what the, uh, the weather is for today, just in case you're worrying about it. Cause I know you will. Cold. They say it's uh, five degrees at the moment. It's going to move to ten later on, which is warmer than yesterday. Uh, cloudy across Kent. Rain gradually dying away, elsewhere dry and cloudy. Anybody working on the Hammersmith flyover this morning? No, they're not. No, they've all obviously gone to bed or gone to sleep or something because there was nobody working there. We came over it earlier on this morning. And as I said yesterday, you would hope that, you know, the amount of millions it's probably costing, uh, they would be doing something about it. Strange, where did I go yesterday where they're digging up the pavement? Yet, Oh, around here, we're still digging up Leicester Square and putting it back down and digging it up and putting it back down again. And then the other day we were somewhere. Where did we go? I must have been going, must have been round my way somewhere. But they've started digging up the pavement again, and you've got lorries all over the place, and it just makes it very difficult to drive around. I'm sure councils are wasting money before they get to the end of the financial year, and they just start digging up the pavements just to annoy everybody. So things come down to one lane. I think in, in Kingston there were some problems yesterday. Andy McCall was saying, you know, dreadful problems around the one-way system. Because the moment it comes down to one lane, and it's on, it's on traffic lights, and you drive it, you get so annoyed, don't you? If you don't see anybody working, I get really angry. 
I feel like winding down the window and shouting obscenities, but I can't because they wouldn't hear me with this voice at the moment. So I just have to do hand signals. Doesn't quite work the same way. Uh, Tomorrow's really bad, I'm afraid. It's uh, heavy rain, persistent and windy. Thursday's dry and breezy with bright or sunny spells, and that'll be the same for Thursday and Friday. But today, cloudy across Kent. The rain will gradually die away elsewhere, dry and cloudy. And uh, the high today, 10 degrees. It's not the best you've had, but at the moment it is a wee bit chilly. So uh, you have been warned, as they say. Uh, Ian says uh, crisps, a crisp sandwich for lunch. See, I've heard of crisp sandwiches. I mean, I've, I've never, ever had one. I've never had a crisp sandwich. I, th- I thought perhaps I would like one at, at some point. Crisp sandwich. Is that flavoured crisp? So you, you butter bread, put crisps in, and then you flatten it down. Doesn't seem very helpful, does it? Is that, is that an Essex thing or something? I've never heard of it before. A crisp sandwich. Sorry, what? Probably northern thing, yes, because they do have some very odd... Tastes up north. Let's blame it on the northerners. So much easier in this day and age, isn't it? You know, if, it, if, 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 it's, if it's odd and we've never heard of it before, it's northern. Ah, dear. Uh, Tony Westgate, thank you very much indeed. He said, uh, the, the, the one lady I slept with was like a goalkeeper in bed. And yes, I had one hand on the floor. Thank you very much indeed. I'm sure, I'm sure there's, a, there's a, probably a worse joke there somewhere. So it's crisps this morning, healthy options on crisps. But if you're going to eat crisps, you're going to eat crisps, aren't you? You're not going to be particularly worried about whether they're good or bad for you. You know why? Because you look at the packet and you think, can't be many calories in that, can there? And yet they're fried. It's like I keep saying to somebody, you know, I, I see all these students in Kentucky Fried Chicken in, in Twickenham. And at the moment, most of them are thin. But you know, with all the fat and everything else dripping off this stuff, that very, very shortly they're all going to be vastly overweight and they're going to start suffering with health problems. The only reason they eat it... I don't know why they eat it, actually, because when I was younger, I suppose we all, we all liked things like Kentucky Fried Chicken and they liked the pizzas and they liked cheap kebabs and stuff like that. Although I've, I've never actually had a kebab that I've actually enjoyed, unless I've had a few drinks, I'm afraid. Uh, well done to Prince Harry. He's uh, off out. And he's been meeting all the students. Apparently he walked into a stadium the other day and they were all uh, screaming and uh, they love it. Desperate homeowners uh, who've manned a 674-day protest against an illegal travellers' camp in their village were yesterday served with eviction notices. While the gypsies, travellers, continue to live at their illegal site, the residents of Meriden and Warwickshire must now abandon their camp or be forced out. More than 200 villagers have taken turns manning this protest uh, camp. The travellers were ordered to be evicted October 25th last year, when local government minister Eric Pickles rejected their planning application, but so far, nobody's moved. Ridiculous, isn't it? Last night, the Meriden villagers have remained defiant. They've said, we're, we're, we're not going to stop campaigning until action is taken against the travellers. I mean, I find it absolutely ridiculous that there appear to be two laws running in this country. One for illegal travellers, who appear to be able to sit there and ride roughshod, and do exactly what they do and carry on their illegal activities. And local residents who've worked hard to build up things get nothing at all. Well, it's, it's just dreadfully unfair, isn't it, for them? You know, one minute you're in a nice little village, the next minute you've got people moving in, they've tarmacadamed the place, and they're riding roughshod over everybody. <clears throat> so, uh, not such a good idea. You know, if they're travellers, keep travelling. It's as simple as that. Uh, also, and we'll talk about this later on, kids nowadays don't go outside to play. They're too busy occupied with, uh, with computers, with television, with, uh, with their computers, and they're, they're sort of doing things on there. And it's a bit of a shame, really. So now, you know, they're, they're trying to encourage kids to go outside and start playing like we used to. When we were kids, we couldn't wait. 
We couldn't wait to get outside. You know, the idea of coming... You didn't want to stay inside. You'd come in, you'd change your clothes, and off you go. Kevin, the very tubby milkman, says, Crisps are my weakness. I can easily eat a six-pack of kettle crisps. He says, no wonder I'm a couple of stone over my ideal weight. Good job the crisps in the virtual bar for us crumblies are virtual crisps, otherwise I'd really be ballooning. You see, the trouble is they are so bad for you, but they taste so good. A bit more like Barry White this morning, I'm afraid. It's, uh, I'll be releasing an album later. Z-Girl. <laughs> Just come up with all this rubbish. Ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. Twelve minutes to five is the time. You know, any other job would be fine. Wouldn't make the slightest difference while just pushing buttons the other side and sliding faders up and down. But if you're actually sitting on the programme, it's a right pain in the rear end, I'm afraid. Uh, I see Gail Porter's in the paper. Oh, uh, Norman St. John Stevens died. As well as the actor Philip Maddock. Uh, I think Philip Maddock was uh, 77. You'll have known him from so many television programmes, and Norman St. John Seavis, of course, a close friend of Margaret Thatcher, he died as well. Not been a particularly good year, has it, for people sort of, uh, you know, losing people. I was talking the other day about Davy Jones of the Monkeys and saying how, how tragic it was that he was, he was really so young, and yet they'd had so much success. At least he'd had the success, so that's quite nice. Some people get to the end of their life and they, they haven't achieved that kind of notoriety, but due to Ray sending me in this documentary on the monkeys and how tough it was for, for them, because they were told what to do. They didn't really have any say in anything. They, they were told, you do this. Oh, can we do it? No, you can't. You do what we tell you. Same with a lot of these groups nowadays. I was talking about that to Gilbert O'Sullivan yesterday, and we were talking about um, how difficult it is for today's groups, the younger ones, where they won't make any money because they don't write anything. All they'll get is, is money for touring, and they'll get an allowance. I shouldn't imagine One Direction making very much money. They, the company they work for is probably making a fortune, an absolute fortune, but what they're selling is an image. They're, they're, they're selling an image to the little girls of 12 and 13, whereas the wanted are appealing to the sisters and the mums because they're actually out there doing it and writing songs, whereas what one, one Direction just have a rack of clothes which they pop on, they pose, they do their little cheesy poses, they sort of, you know, pull their pants over the top of their trousers, and all the little girls go, oh, we love you, love you, love One Direction. Well, they don't love you. They're only interested in you because you're buying the records, and that's what they're told to do so. You wait till it all comes out in years to come. You wait. Can't wait for that. Who do you think will be the first one to sell the story from One Direction? The moment they, they lose popularity uh, with the fans who don't buy the records anymore, that's when it'll all start going a bit pear-shaped, and that's when they'll start turning up on reality shows. And we'll have to try and remember who they all were. And the only one you remember is Harry Styles, because he's the only one who appears to have been out with a woman. Well, I say a woman, he's been out with Caroline Flack, and she seems to have been out with quite a few people. So that's always very interesting. I reckon he'd be the first one to write a book saying, we wanted to do this, we were told to do this, we were told to do that. And it'll be people manipulating, you know, a group. That's what they do. You know, do you want to be famous? Do you not want to be famous? If you don't want to be famous, go away, we'll find somebody else. There's a, a million kids out there. They pitch up on these programmes every year because they want to be famous. I see little Miss Needy Gail Porter's back in the paper today. If it's not the hair falling out or the relationship falling apart or bipolar or checking in or having a mental breakdown, now it's the fact she's lonely. Good God, everybody's lonely. But here she is. She's had a very difficult 12 months, I know. Not been in the papers much at all. She's struggling to cope with being lonely. She says that since splitting with her boyfriend over Christmas, she's been missing company because her daughter, Honey, divides her time between Gail and her ex-husband, Dan Hipgrave, leaving her on her own. <clears throat> she says, I'm not very good at being on my own. 
Honey goes to her daddy's, and I'm very lonely, so what do I do? I go to the gym. She says, it'd be nice to talk to anybody, just if somebody says hi. I thought, God, there's nothing more needy than Gail Porter, is there? There is nothing more needy than Gail Porter. Everybody struggles with loneliness. You know, I'm assuming you've got some friends, because she doesn't mention them here. She says a rich boyfriend would be great, not so easy to find. No, because you come with baggage, and that's the problem. If you come with baggage, people tend to shy away. So that's it. But you have to learn to like yourself. Perhaps you don't like yourself. I don't know. Somebody to cook for me would be great. <sighs> Pushing it now, aren't you? So you want somebody rich, somebody to cook for you, and somebody to say hi to you. I think the list is too great. I think you need to join a, a dating agency and see what they've actually got on the books for you. Uh, Steve, I'd love a good night's sleep. What should you avoid before going to bed? Everything. Everything. Uh, Steve, when I was at school, we ate a packet of crisps and a bread roll. Oh, capital crisps and a bread roll. See, I quite like, from years ago, crisps with um, salad cream. That was quite nice. And uh, Chris said, we had Dairy Lee cheese. Smoky bacon was best. Dairy Lee cheese and crisps. God, sounds like a recipe for a heart attack. Dairy... That won't help you sleep at all, will you? You can't have something like that before you go to bed. Lummy. Definitely not. No, apparently the best thing to do before you go to bed is go out for a walk. You know, go out for a nice warm. Also, I've just noticed somebody else has died. The former Daily Express reporter, Norman Luck, who broke the story of the intruder in the Queen's bedroom, has died. Do you remember that? That was Michael Fagan, who managed to get into Buckingham Palace, sit on the Queen's bed and talk to her, and she's pushing the alarm button, and the police did nothing. They sat there like stuffed dummies. She's pushing the alarm button. Nothing is happening. It was only when a maid came into the room that she went, good God, ma'am, what's he doing here? That she then called the police. Up until then, the police been sitting there, probably playing probably chess or something like that, because they certainly were ignoring the Queen's alarm. She's pushing it like mad. But, uh, Mr Luck died on Sunday night after being diagnosed with, uh, with cancer. Oh, terrible week. Terrible week it is for people. Uh, are all men love cheats? In the paper, the answer is yes. Of course they are. Every man would be if he could be. It's a case of, can I get away with it without anybody finding out? And so they always succumb to a fatal attraction, according to a new book out at the moment. And so they've, they've asked various people, you know, pe people like uh, Ashley Cole playing away from home, Ronan Keating played away from home, Edwina Curry played away from home for a long while, uh, Stacey and Ryan Giggs, Hillary Clinton with Bill Clinton, all these people, all these sort of high-profile people, they play away. Why? Because they can. There was a case of an MP the other day, and this girl said she used to go round to his house dressed as a schoolgirl. I think she was a schoolgirl. And there were various allegations made. And you think to yourself, do all men do that? And the answer is, and my voice went quite up then, quite up. We went very, very high indeed. So, obviously, a lot of men cheat. And the reason they, they cheat is because they can't. What I never understand is why women take back men who cheat. You'd have thought they'd have cut off those little spherical objects, wouldn't you? Which would make it, you know, if you, you know, like Cheryl Cole sort of put up with it, Ashley Cole made her look like a complete buffoon. She should have kicked him into touch a long time before. You know, she should have known about this kind of thing. Edwina Curry and John Major. I mean, it wasn't just a one-night stand. This went for ages. Ryan Giggs with, uh, with his uh, brother's wife. Eight years. Eight years. So that's, you know, that's, that's the situation you're in. So do all men cheat? The answer is the majority would if they could. I think you get to a certain age, though. And to be honest with you, you'd rather have a cup of cocoa, wouldn't you? 
You know, the idea of having to go out and find somebody and entertain them. Oh, dear. And then, of course, they might come back years later and go, well, actually, I really loved you, and, and I'm going to tell your, your, your current partner that we had a fling. And you think, oh, for God's sake. You can't trust anybody nowadays. It's because the newspapers, they offer money to people, you know. Have you had a fling with somebody? Yes, I had a fling with my school teacher. What? We were talking about this the other day and thinking about all the indiscretions at school that, you know, teachers in those days, you know, you never thought about it. I mean, we used to get the cane at school. We actually used to get the cane. And I'm sure these sadistic schoolmasters used to quite like giving the cane. I know it blooming well hurt. I didn't get the cane that often, but when I did get it, you used to dread it. The worst thing was they'd go, you know, you thought perhaps it goes on my report. Perhaps they write to your parents. And you'd come back, people would say, how many, how many did you get? And you go, six. Six? Six lashes of the cane. God, blimey. I don't think you'd get away with that nowadays. I don't think you're allowed to, in school, actually cane people. But it's, it's terribly difficult, isn't it? It's terribly difficult to know what you do with unruly school children. I did hear a story the other day of, um, of a, a friend of mine whose father is a school teacher, And he's got a very, very unruly school with certain sections of the community. And they've had to keep his address secret, because if these people found out, they'd go round there and cause an awful lot of trouble. So it's, you know, you, you really wouldn't want to be a schoolmaster or mistress in this day and age because you've got problems with very, very mouthy children. And some of them are just a little bit more than mouthy. I mean, you've got, we've got a couple of schools around our way, one school in particular, where the girls sit at the bus stop smoking. We used to watch them shoplifting in, uh, in Woolworths when we had a Woolworths. And I mentioned it on air and the headmistress, headmaster, wrote in saying, this is not true of our school. I thought, you're a liar. It is true of your school. Your school's known for it. I used to watch them shoplifting with a friend of mine. It's not something you want to make up, is it? If you watch school kids shoplifting, they shoplift. The uniform was so identifiable. But of course, you know, school kids, no, they wouldn't do that. Heavens, they do. Of course they do. 84850, cvlbc.co.uk. Or 08456060973. Uh, there's a lovely story of two inseparable friends in the paper today. They went to school together, they honeymooned together, and they've each died within a week after being best mates for nearly a hundred years. Annie Walsh and Ivy Turner, both 99, were born a month apart and were said never to have had an argument throughout their lives. They met when they were four during the First World War as pupils at a primary school in Oldham, and began an incredible 96-year bond. They left school at 14 to work in the mills. They played hockey and tennis with each other before becoming a foursome once they met their future husbands. Ivy married Fred, Annie married Albert. Although Fred died in 76 due to bronchitis, Annie still looked out for her best pal, comforting her throughout the heartache, and continued to invite her on walking holidays until she moved into a care home ten years ago. Albert and Annie were moved into a different home seven years ago, and Albert died not long afterwards, but the friends still saw each other. And Ivy recently said, we're more like sisters than friends. And she says the friendship has lasted because we're both even-tempered, we don't get annoyed about things, we're not a bad lot. If only the rest of us could say the same. And yesterday, both were together in death after being together for virtually their whole lives. Annie passed away on Valentine's Day after a stroke, and on Feb the 21st, Ivy followed her friend. It's wonderful. Annie's daughter, Christine, said, I'd like to think that once my mum died, she looked down on Ivy and said, come on, let's go and find Fred and Albert and go for a walk together. That's exactly what they did. We like a happy story. So, uh, happy in life, happy in death. Uh, coming up very shortly, 
the news at five o'clock. And just in case you think there's something the matter with your radio this morning and sort of you need new batteries or something. No, no, I really do sound like this this morning, I'm afraid. But the news is next with Sam Pittis. We're back in uh, a couple of seconds on LBC 97.3. Morning. He says, <laughs> sounded pathetic, didn't it? Do not adjust your radio. Do not adjust your radio. He really does sound like this this morning, I'm afraid. He really does. It sort of came on yesterday, and um, as I, say, it, I think it's doing the rounds. I can't quite work out now if it's an infection or if it's, or if it's air conditioning. I'm blaming it on air conditioning. Because so many people I've spoken to recently have got this blooming thing. Paul and Beck are listening in Auckland, New Zealand. Good show, they say. Is that because it sounds like Barry White? Probably. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or uh, 08456060973. Paul McCartney has been complaining in the paper today about his fans wanting to take his picture all the time. You'd have thought, actually, having had a lifetime of it, he'd have been fairly used to it by now. But uh, sadly for Macca, he's not. He says, sometimes I want to have a peaceful evening with my wife in a restaurant without every few seconds having to pose. People just don't understand that. It sometimes causes unpleasant scenes. The answer is, I suppose... Don't go out to restaurants. But there again, you know, if, I think Paul McCartney, out of all of the people that I've, I've ever seen in, in the media, is, is somebody who, who doesn't really... He, he likes to be quite private, but at the same time, he doesn't want to lose that. He, he wants to go out and have as normal a life as possible, and he's made sure that the kids have as normal a life as possible. So he wants to go out and sit in restaurants. So I can understand if somebody sees him... In a restaurant, they're going to go, it's Paul McCartney, it's Paul McCartney, I've got to get a picture taken. I've got to have a picture, t- you can't, you know, it's going to be that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So people go and ask him, and he, he would, after a while, begin to think, oh, forget it. It depends where you eat. In certain restaurants, I've, I've eaten in before. In fact, Joe Allen's are very good, because they get lots of celebrities in there, but they don't allow people to go up to the tables and take pictures of people. They, they literally discourage it. So a lot of celebrities go there. The Ivy in exactly the same way. You know, places have been established for a long, long while where you go out and, and uh, people leave you alone because they just, you know, people might look and acknowledge the fact that you're, not me, but, you know, celebrities I've been out with, and they acknowledge the fact that they're, uh, they're there, but they don't go up and intrude. It was so strange. I was watching a programme the other day. It was on the television, and it was about um, people who've done things It was looking at light entertainment, and it was looking at the celebrities in light entertainment in this country, and they were talking about the fact when it went wrong for people, you know, when when people thought they'd had enough of doing a particular television programme and they just decided to get out, and one particular celebrity was Cilla Black. Cilla Black had her her programme on the television, and I think it was... I can't remember what it was, actually, now. It wasn't Surprise, Surprise, was it? Would it have been Surprise, Surprise? Blind, no, it wasn't Blind Day. It might have been Surprise, Surprise. Anyway, um, they'd changed the uh, the format and they changed a few things and she, didn't, she decided she didn't want to do it anymore. But she didn't know how to do it. And, they then, and then came the opportunity. She was doing a live... It was a live version of the show. And they made big play over the fact that Cilla Black was live on the television that particular evening. And, um, and she decided, and she'd only decided, literally, just before the show went live, that she was going to retire. She was going to tell people, she was going to announce on national television that this was going to be her last show. She told nobody. I think she only told her son, Robert, and, and it came as a big shock to all the cast and crew. Nobody knew about it. And so she did it on live television. 
And so she said, you know, hello, welcome to... Might have been surprise, surprise, I can't remember now. And uh, this is going to be my final show. And people went, what? Nobody knew. And it was quite, it was quite something to do. <coughs> it's very interesting. And I know that it was something that she'd, she'd thought about, but only decided just before the show. Great opportunity, because if it was done on a pre-recorded show, they would have cut it out. Because it was live, they couldn't do anything about it. And I was out for dinner with Scylla that night. We were in Caprice. And uh, so we all arrived at Caprice. It was about eight of us for dinner, I think, something like that. And, um, and people were really... All people wanted to talk about was, oh, my goodness me, how brave was that to actually come out on live television? She said, oh, I didn't... She said, I thought about it beforehand, and I thought, what a great opportunity to do it. She said, so I did. And, of course, it got all the coverage in the newspapers, but that was it. You know, don't, don't mess with, with entertainers on television. But uh, we had a nice meal, actually. <laughs> Very nice meal. Very nice. I do feel a bit sorry for Stacey Solomon this morning, who's been axed as a contender for Celebrity Mum of the Year after being caught smoking. Uh, she's due to give birth in nine weeks, was devastated after pictures emerged of her puffing on a cigarette at the weekend. Organisers of the Foxy Bingo Award have cut her from their short list of star mums. A Foxy Bingo spokesman said, Stacey's apologised and is really sorry and embarrassed. I mean, to be honest with you, she's only smoking. She's not, she's not skilling up or something or injecting. She's only smoking a cigarette. Stacey said that the backlash was what she deserved. She said, it's not something I'm proud of and I'm struggling with it. She said, they're making a mountain out of a molehill here. She, throw, she smokes three cigarettes a day. Three cigarettes a day, you know, and she's having to apologise, say, oh, it's not something I'm proud of. Like she was caught selling cocaine or something. Dick's only three cigarettes a day. I don't see any problem with that at all, I'm afraid. Any problems. I know you worry, Stacey. It's just sort of the mealy mouth people. I mean, to be honest with you, Foxy Bingo, Schmoxy Bingo, who cares? It makes no difference. Celebrity Mum of the Year. It's not going to increase your, uh, your, your sort of entertaining power. It's not going to give you more money or anything like that. It's terrible, really, isn't it? Terrible that these, uh, you know, people hold celebrities to ransom. Uh, Philip Maddock has died. He, he was best known, I see, for... T- he was in Dad's Army. And uh, he said, we want to know your name. And Captain Mannering said, don't tell him, Pike. That was that famous one. That was Philip, Philip Maddock in that. He also starred in The Life and Times of uh, David Lloyd George. And, of course, he was in Doctor Who. He was divorced from, uh, from Heidi High star Ruth Maddock. Remember Ruth Maddock? Lovely, lovely Ruth. Love that, love that. Whitney Houston's former husband, Bobby Brown, now claims his dead wife got him hooked on drugs. Easy to say that when she's not here, really, isn't it? bit sad. I mean, the whole thing's just a bit sad, I'm afraid. Full stop. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 08456060973. Oh, the secret to a good night's sleep. Don't shake hands with somebody. Do you still shake hands? You get people around here patting you on the back. You all right, buddy? You get a lot of that. Get, buddy is that, like the favourite word around here at the moment. <coughs> what, buddy? You get buddy from everybody. Buddy from everybody. Imran on the door calls people buddy. And uh, Christo's producer, Joe, calls people buddy as well. It's quite normal, apparently. I'd never heard it before (coughs) until I came in this building. People started calling each other buddy and things like that. I'm not sure if it's a term of affection or not. Or if it's... Is it okay? (coughs) It's friendly, apparently. Richard says, get an asthma pump. That'll open the airwaves and help get rid of the cough. I get the same. It's helped me in the past. I'm willing to try anything at the moment, actually. (laughs) Absolutely anything, because it's so annoying. Uh, Pat says, don't feel bad. I've been standing like you for three weeks. Never had anything that lasts this long before. There must be something in the atmosphere. Do you think it's the, um, it's the weather? You know, we've had hot, cold, hot, 
cold, wet, miserable, or is it, or is it just a sign of, you know, I, I spoke to somebody the other day who's literally been burning the candle at both ends, and uh, eventually it catches up, and eventually your body goes, enough, enough. You have to sort of, you know, put, put your feet up and rest. But some people are just not very good at uh, resting. I'm not particularly good at rest. I don't know what to do when, when people say, rest. I don't know. <coughs> Bob says, makes me laugh, talking about men cheating. There must be an equal number of women, presumably, they're cheating with. Yes, well, it used to be up your neck of the woods, didn't it? That women would go out on a Friday night and take their wedding rings off. That's what they would do. People, Are you married? No. No, I don't know why I went, no. I don't know why they don't talk like that at all. So we're looking this morning for, for your, your secrets for a good night's sleep. Uh, for giving up smoking for poor Stacey Solomon. And are you particularly bothered about calories in crisps? Do you like Are you addicted to crisps? Because they've now brought up this, this new range. They're called pop chips. So they're sort of fluffed up in the middle. I think they look like mini poppadoms. And they, they look a bit like mini... And that's like eating air, isn't it? In eating a mini poppadom. They're not quite the same, even though they do barbecue potato and sour cream and onion. So I never liked sour cream and onion. Sounds absolutely disgusting. I used to like roast chicken. Roast chicken. Then they brought out bovril. We like bovril flavour. They all taste the same to me. I could not tell the difference between flavoured crisps if you paid me a million pounds. They go, yeah, if you did a blind tasting, I wouldn't know what they were. I wouldn't have the faintest idea, I'm afraid. And then I love the story in the papers of, uh, of Nicola Kirkbridge, Kirkbride. Nicola Kirkbride is a fashion student, and, um, and she goes out, and she goes to Tesco's, and she's looking at their, uh, at their jumpers, girls' sweaters, and there's a picture of her on the front of the sweater. She looks at it. It's not just one. There's a whole rack of her image on the front of a Tesco sweater. And it turns out they've lifted it from her website and they've put it on the front, but they didn't ask her permission. A bit, bit like me sort of going into George at Asda and seeing an image of Steve Allen on the front of, uh, you know, a pair of trainers or something like that and go, where'd they get that picture from? They go, well, they just lifted it from the website. And so cause she's had to go out and buy one of her own jumpers. She's not made any money out of it. But her own image, that's, that's hers. Unless it was taken by somebody else, a photographer, and they've given it on. I don't know who took because I'm assuming somebody must have taken the picture. But it was removed from the blog, and Tesco put it on the, uh, on the jumpers. So she's taken pictures of them. And she was only aware, really, I mean, after seeing them, and a girl phoned her to say, by the way, this is, this is your image. You know, I've seen them on some of your, your sweaters. She went down there, she cost, paid, she paid 12 quid. Seems a lot of money for a sweater. But um, she's a fourth-year student in Aberdeen, and she says she was yet to receive an explanation from Tesco. I like the idea that all of a sudden you're famous. I mean, to be honest with you, if Tesco have lifted her image from her blog, and it's her camera that took the picture, you know, unless they, they found the original person. This has happened before. I've seen people lift items from the web before, and they don't have copyright, because somebody's got copyright Somewhere along the line, you know, if I've got pictures on my website, then uh, those pictures will be copyright of, you know, it could be Chris Christodoulou, but he's, he's very generous with his copyright, or it could be Darren, it could be a number of other people, but you can't just lift them and use them without at least having the courtesy to say to somebody, I've seen this picture, can I use it? And you go, of course you can. Morning, 18 minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. Jean is hugging me from Canada. And says, you should really get one of those uh, inhalers. Said, nothing would make your heart race. Nothing like that at all. If you've got daughters, have you read 
the magazines which they buy nowadays. Dame Joan Bakewell has attacked teen magazines for fueling the premature sexualisation of young girls. Now, we had this some years ago. I remember talking about this at LBC 97.3 at least ten years ago, when we picked up a whole selection of magazines aimed at nine to twelve-year-olds to realise that they were talking about sex, blatant sex. So she's gone through some of the teen magazines that your children probably read. You don't get the same for boys, it has to be said. They don't have boys' magazines. Most of the magazines are aimed at girls. Bliss. Problems tackled include what to do if your boyfriend wants sex all the time. One story features a 16-year-old laying bare life in a Glasgow gang and how he escaped. More magazine offers a brand-new cut-out-and-keep sex guide called the A to Z of Sex, as well as Sexual Position of the Week. Cosmo Girl features guides to the best flirting tips and great date ideas, and its website offers videos of hot guys. A magazine called Bop, which I've never heard of, uh, tells you five ways to snag One Direction. This involves, when you bump into them, tell them how much you love their accents and things like that. As if you're ever likely to bump into them. Shout Magazine boasts a hot guy special, 12 for 2012, with 12 large pictures of hot guys, including Zac Efron and Dougie Pointer. They also have a, a lads section on the website with the tagline, They're fit and you know it. Good Lord. And J14, I've never heard of some of these magazines, the front cover shouts stars kiss and tell about teen favourites such as Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez, features a quiz on flirting styles and kissing tips, and a quiz asking, are you lucky in love? And then they have an ask a hottie section where girls can ask a handsome star question about love. During you know, my day, it was all Bunty magazine and Playtime, and it had a Hartley hair and stuff like that. We never worried about this kind of stuff. We never did any of this this sexy, mexy stuff that goes on nowadays, you know, holding hands and kissing. I mean, the nearest thing we got was a free gift on the front of Playtime magazine, which was uh, a butterfly that you wound up. It had an elastic band. You put it in between the pages of the book, and when they opened the book, it went like that and shot out the book. Frightened your grandmother, gave her a heart attack. You know, that was... We didn't have any of this sexualization stuff. And to be honest with you, most of it... But then, all the all the, the magazines aimed... Uh, those of us for the over-30s are full of things like that. You know, I've lost track of the amount of times I've opened up a magazine or seen it on the front cover. People talking about their sex lives. It's supposed to be private. I'm not remotely interested. You know, whether or not I'm doing it... I mean, apparently, I'm supposed to be doing it four times a week. Well, just give me names and addresses, because at the moment, I'm telling you, it's not happening. It's ridiculous. I don't know about the sexualisation of sort of the 12 to 15-year-olds. What about us over the age of 35? I think we'd like a bit of this action that's going on at the moment. I am slightly over 35. I will just a little bit be over 35 come the 17th of March. But, the, you know, the adult magazines, it's, it's, it's... I mean, all the stuff I get in my magazine is, now is the best time to plant your petunias. You know, and warm drinks for cold nights. Exactly. Aches and pains by a hot water bottle. You know, have you tried Vic Vapor Rub on your chest? No, I haven't. But I'm thinking about it. And in all the young magazines, it's all sex. Believe you me, it wears off very quickly. Ask anybody who's married. You know, for the first week of marriage, fantastic. After that, OK, right, we're settled now, aren't we? That's it. Nobody does it anymore. I've lost track of the amount of people I've asked in the office, you know. So, now you're married, is it really, really good? And they go, no, not. Nothing at all. And that's why I think people wander. You know, because the wife goes, oh, not tonight, really. I've got a headache. It's like, it's like the bloke who gives his wife uh, 
you know, a headache tablet. He said, I haven't got a headache. He said, good, let's go to bed now. You know, it's, it's like this sort of once a week kind of thing. And yet, if you read the young people's magazines, you would think they're obsessed with it. I'm sure they're not. And I'm sure the parents listening are absolutely horrified that these magazines contain this stuff. But that's what girls and boys talk about. Surprise that we didn't. We just wanted to see the latest toy car. And as I say, now I've got to that age. All the stuff I get in my magazines is, you know, like Saga Holidays, you know, for the over 50s. It's a lovely place to go with lots of other elderly people the same age. And you all sit there and die together. You know, it's all very exciting. Today, we've been to Crete. Lovely, lovely. There isn't any hanky-panky. Because we're of that age now, you know, we're, we're sort of people who've saved up a little bit of money, we've got a car, and we like going out for dinner. We like cooking. We get cats. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, I got a budgie once. Admittedly, me and budgies just don't kind of go together. But you worry about these things, and Dame Joan is quite right. She was talking at a, at a, at a festival recently, the Bath Literature Festival, saying it's just got appalling. But I suppose it's the people who are putting the magazines together who are appealing to what they think young people want nowadays. I mean, I've never heard of... I think I've heard of Shout magazine. I think I've heard of Shout. But there was one a few years ago, and it was just blatantly, you know, over-sexualisation of, of young people. And, and Nick Ferrari has spoken on The Breakfast Show frequently about clothing items that we've seen in stores. Little crop tops, you know, for little girls aged seven. Little bras for seven-year-olds with things written on the front, you know, which were just sort of, you know, sexually suggestive and I think it, it, it just makes people terribly promiscuous. Ask anybody at school, you know, are you having sex? And even if they're not, they'll say yes, because there's peer pressure from all the friends. And so that's what happens. And they were saying the other day that there is this sexualization of, of young people nowadays, which, which frankly is not necessary. You turn on the television. There's people talking about it on the Jeremy Kyle show. There's people talking about it on daytime television where young people have access. The whole, the whole country's become obsessed with the blooming thing. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Mind you, also uh, slightly ridiculous as well is uh, the X Factor, criticised by Ofcom because uh, Frankie Kokoza used a four-letter word. Uh, this is somebody who Channel 5 thinks is a celebrity. They put him on Celebrity Big Brother or Celebrity Get Me Out of Here or Celebrity Ice Skating or whatever it is. It's got the word celebrity on it, where it's people who've slept with somebody or somebody who's foul-mouthed and taken drugs. This apparently is a celebrity nowadays. So, in fact, there's probably so many people listening who go, well, perhaps I could, uh, could be a celebrity in this day and age. And the answer is you could, but you won't get there by, by talent. However, if you want to cut your blood pressure, squeeze a ball. There's a big feature in the paper today. You can buy this ball nowadays, and apparently it's... it's it, it's you just squeeze this thing you know they used to get these things years ago you had these balls which you hit one at one end and the other one went the other end like a cat's cradle type of affair and they said that was very good for relieving stress well this new ball here a kind of computerized stress ball boosts activity in the part of the nervous system that controls blood pressure and heart rate called the parasympathetic nervous system it's responsible for lowering blood pressure. Now, I speak to people on a daily basis who go, my blood pressure's terrible. Mine is fine, surprisingly. You'd think that my blood pressure would be high, but, would be high, but it's not. I've got absolutely perfect blood pressure. Everything is absolutely tickety-boo, apart from I've got no voice. There's not a lot you can do about that. But I, I like the idea of trying the inhaler. I wonder if they would give me an inhaler. I might have to go to the chemist to get... Because they're obviously, I'm afraid... Uh, all on prescription, except if you go to France, where you can buy inhalers. You see, buy yourself a jar of clear honey, says Karen. I'm diabetic. I'm going to take honey and a, and a bulb of garlic. You are joking, of course. I did know somebody who chewed raw garlic. 
who chewed raw garlic. She used to keep raw garlic and, and eat it. But I couldn't have honey, I'm afraid. Being a diabetic, I'd be out crawling about on the ceiling. Not my, uh, not my kind of thing at all. I do like it. I do like honey, but I've not had it for about 30 years. At least 30 years. So this morning, uh, we're talking about sleep patterns. Because most of us, and I say most of us, because we might as well include everybody in this one, uh, don't get a great night's sleep. The only people who get good night's sleep are those people... Uh, who don't have any worry, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't eat before they go to bed, they don't have a partner, so they've got nobody to complain about, too. And they say that your husband or wife can wreck your night's sleep in a dozen different ways, from the duvet to getting up to go to the toilet. And I've often said, you know, some people start off, you know, cuddling each other in bed, and that's fine, and then gradually you kind of drift apart. And they've filmed couples on the television, and they've shown with a slow-motion camera exactly how many times you change your, your uh, shape in bed. You know, you first of all start lying on the right-hand side, then you flip over on the left-hand side, then you put your hands behind your head. I used to have to sleep face down on the bed. I can't do that now. I, well, I, I don't know how I, bred, how I breathed. <laughs> breathed? I don't know. I can't remember. I just remember. I used to have to lie down on the bed, and I think I could rest my head in my hands. I think that's how it worked, but it just it's not particularly comfortable nowadays. Now I sleep on my side. I start off on my right-hand side, and then after about an hour or so, I flip over and go on the left-hand side. So obviously I must be bored on one side. What does that tell you? It says, it says nothing at all, I'm afraid. Little Julie says, that very addicted to crisps. Take a packet to work every day. You see, I didn't realise that they are as addictive as chocolate. Favourite flavour, uh, at number one, sour cream and chives. Says little Julie. Sour cream and chives. That seems to be the most favourite one at the moment. So, addicted to crisps? 08456060973 or 84850 or steve at uk. because uh, a lot of people are like that. A lot of people suggesting uh, honey and lemon with a nip of brandy. There's a lot of, lot of nips of brandy being recommended. And Steve says, this is one from Tony, he says, you're not going to like this, but when you get home, gargle with whiskey for as long as you can. Burns like hell, it works. I'm, I'm a bit worried. I might sort of take my voice out completely. I'm not a whiskey drinker. I don't even think I've got any whiskey at home. Got brandy. Got brandy at home. Perhaps I could gargle with brandy. See, I think it's going to be honey. To, uh, not, not honey. It's going to be lemon today. I think we're going to be doing lemon and seeing how we work. I might even actually go to, uh, to the supermarket after I finish and go and get a couple of lemons, cut them up, squeeze them into some hot water and see how that works. But it's so annoying. If anybody else has got it at home, do let me know you know, exactly what, uh, what, your, what your saving grace is, because it's just infuriating. You feel fine, but uh, it's just very, very infuriating. 0845 at lbc.co.uk or 84850. And if you can really justify spending £204,000 on a round of drinks... I mean, this guy must have done either very well in the city or there's going to be a horrible cheque-bouncing situation coming up. I wouldn't mind, but his £204,000 bill included £18,000 service charge. It's an outrage. It's 5.30. Morning. Nice to have your company. It's 27 minutes uh, to 6. Coming up with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7 this morning, which is just after Susan Bookbinder. Uh, Rachel Jane, Deputy Editor of the Sunday Express, will be reviewing the papers. And they're also going to be talking to the Sunday Times photographer, Paul Conroy will be telling Nick how he survived that Syrian attack that killed his friend and colleague Marie Colvin. Uh, Nick will be looking ahead to American Super Tuesday and how clean are your hands? Because, you know, they've, they've said to people, if you're competing in the lip, don't shake hands. But we all shake hands, don't we? 
We all, we all shake hands. Don't we shake hands nowadays? Do people shake Sometimes you go to put your hand out and you think, they're not going to shake my hand. So you put your hand back down again. I mean, do, do people do that sort of, you know, yeah, bro, all right? Do a lot of that sort of hugging people. I got on the bus yesterday at Zard Twickenham Station, which I'm prone to do on, a, on the odd occasion, and a group of, let's just call them, young people got on. The language was foul. And there were people sitting on the bus. Perhaps these people swear at home. I don't know, but, you know, elderly people sitting on the bus having to listen to these foul-mouthed students, you know, who could barely string two words together. And one was moaning into the other one. He said, like, you know, because you never phoned me yesterday and I've, I didn't know whether or not you was going to be in or this. And I'm thinking, my God, you've got some stuff to worry about later in life. You really have, I'm afraid. I like the, uh, the joke from Matt in Glasgow. He says a pound coin was thrown onto the pitch at Ibrox the other day. Police are still trying to determine if it was an attack or a takeover bid. Thank you very much indeed. It was, quite, it was quite a good joke, actually, for this time of the, uh, the day. Claire on Canvey Island says, I was given Marmite-flavoured chocolate yesterday. I wonder if it helped your throat. I shouldn't think so. Marmite-flavoured chocolate? I've never even heard of such a thing. And Frank says, half an hour in a steam room will definitely shift it for you. Well, I've got this, um, this steam machine, which I'm, I think I might try again today. It didn't work yesterday, but I think I did make the mistake of drinking wine yesterday. I think that was possibly my downfall. Do not drink wine if you've got a, if you've got a sore throat, because it's not going to, to help the situation at all. It really isn't. Do you know, for ages, we, were, we talked a long time ago about uh, one of my favourite films, which is Goodbye, Mr Chips. But this is the original version of the film with Robert Donut. And it's, it's filmed in black and white. It's got a great history to this film. But the one thing I could never find out was the, the words to the school song. They've got um, some kids singing at the beginning. And I couldn't decipher it. And we tried everything. Over years and years, we tried to find out the words of this song. We went on everything. It's a Richard Adensel piece of music. He's written for quite a number of films over the years, but this particular music is really, really lovely, and the original film is still the best. I know there's been various versions of Goodbye Mr Chips, including one, I think, with Petula Clark and Peter O'Toole, but this is the original, and uh, lovely it is. And so we would try to find out, and Chris Christodoulou, as you know, takes the pictures at the show and is the official photographer at the Royal Albert Hall, uh, I, I gave him the album of Richard Adensel's Richard Adensel's film music. And finally, he's managed to uh, get the words to the Goodbye Mr Chips school song. He says, go on, I dare you sing it on air. If only I could this morning, if only the voice was there. So I'm going to hang on to it and come and come round to it, probably by, by the end of the week. It's not a particularly lengthy song. It's only got about, you know, eight or ten lines. But we've been struggling for ages. You know when you listen to something time and time again and you try and write down the words? I'm always amazed whenever I see films of, of uh, pop concerts, all the kids in the front know the words to all the songs and they sing along with them. I mean, I don't, the only thing I know the words to is Daydream Believer. I only know the words to stuff like that. I don't, I'm dreadful. Or Sweet Caroline. Or any one of a number of songs by Dolly Parton, <laughs> which is good. Dave says, chew a clove of raw garlic, swallow against the back of the throat, burns but destroys the sore throat. Yes, and no friends for a month, I should imagine. I can't do garlic at all. Yes, you can't have honey. Squeeze lemon and hot water. Add some glycerin, says Mag in Islington. OK, I think that, that the steam is sounding a bit more of an option, I'm afraid. We all sort of rally together, don't we, when, uh, when people are not, not very well. Uh, talking to people not very well, Peter Andre will be mentioning in our uh, special free podcast this morning. 
which will be occurring a little bit later on. It might be a little bit shorter than usual today. We'll have to, have to wait and see, because he's on the front page of OK magazine talking about his brother's illness. You know, because Pete sells you every aspect of his life, of his family's life, and his brother, I think, has got uh, cancer of the kidney. But he's now saying here he's been shocked uh, by the fact that the cancer has spread. And he said he was not dealing with it very well. But as opposed to not dealing with it very well, he's gone in all the magazines and he's got columns in and written about it. You know, whereas I said yesterday, dreadful though it is, it's a private thing. You know, there are certain things you keep private in the family. Because with the stuff that's written on the internet at the moment... In fact, there was a very famous footballer who had cancer a short while ago. He's just taken down his, uh, his, his Facebook and Twitter because of internet trolls who've written the most ghastly things on there. Then when you confront these people, they're, they're all sort of humble and, oh, I never meant to hurt anybody and that kind of stuff. But he, he had 135,000 people who were following him and he was telling them about his uh, testicular cancer he'd had. And some of the things people were writing, you begin to wonder whether or not they're actually in the real world. Some of the stuff is terrible. Oh, my goodness me. Here's Mark Wright putting the rubbish out in a pink T-shirt, his pants, and little girly Ugg boots. Oh, dear. Not a good look. Obviously not being trained properly by your agent, Jonathan. I'm sure he'd be saying, I think, really, we don't want any more of these pictures out there. We need to actually get some, uh, some work. Some work going. Uh, Steve, sorry about the cough. Try hot water and tea with lemon. Fresh... This, this fresh ginger thing. Although, nothing like good old-fashioned chicken soup. Can't beat chicken soup, can you? You cannot beat it. You cannot beat chicken soup. There's all my Jewish friends going, could have told you chicken soup ages ago. Actually, soup full, full stop is actually very, 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 very nice indeed. So uh, who knows? We'll wait and see uh, what happens a little bit later on. I see that dopey thieves have stolen £2,000 worth of weights from one of the strongest blokes in Britain. Wayne Russell is furious that uh, 30 of his specially made weights were nicked for scrap. They were so heavy, they had to make... Several trips to um, to actually take them away. So presumably, there's a scrap metal dealer who's bought these things. He knows is there's it's probably around two thousand pounds worth of weights that have gone. They're made to order, so it's hit my training. They probably just thought they were they didn't know they were weights at all. People who buy from these crooks are just as much to blame as the people who take them, which is what we've said before. We have said before that you know it's it's unfortunately unscrupulous scrap dealers, of which there are many, of which there are many. Uh, Gladys says, I've had a cough going on so long after antibiotics, usually due to allergies at this time of year. Uh, Sean recommends gargling with TCP. Gladys is recommending antihistamine pills. Do you know, the amount of stuff I'm going to be taking by the end of this programme. And, uh, and William says, uh, gargle with salt water. You see, salt water, uh, the people are saying, is very good for you. Whether or not it actually kills anything, I don't know. And, uh, and Chris says, highly recommend ultra-chloroseptic. I've, I've tried that. That doesn't work at all. I've got two. I've got an ultra-chloroseptic and I've got another one as well. Uh, healthy alternative to normal crisps are cassava crisps, a vegetable popular in Latin America from the company Hale and Hearty, says Daphne. Have you tried vegetable crisps? I bought vegetable crisps once and they were, it was in an effort to get kids to eat healthy food. Very a difficult thing to, to get them to do at the best of times. But this was sliced carrots and sliced leeks or something. What it was, really. And beetroot. That's right. Beetroot and parsnips. And, and they, they, they came and I tried them and they were really nice. But I wasn't sure if, if they're deep fried as to whether or not then they become unhealthy as crisps. Because they're, they're, they're trying to get uh, young people now to eat healthy crisps. 
And the problem is that generally crisps aren't healthy, even if they say 98% fat-free. Believe you me, it's a deep-fried crisp, OK? It's got stuff on it. It's not particularly healthy for you. And, and you shouldn't be eating them, but people like them. But the packets have got smaller and smaller. You never seem to get enough crisps in a packet. You get about four. Some of them... <laughs> I remember we'd, uh, I was working in a club once, and they filmed a crisp advert for... Golden Wonder, whoever it was, and they had to bring in boxes and boxes and boxes of crisps, and they had to meticulously open the packets and find ones that had crisps that looked like a potato, so that when the actor put his finger in and pulled out a crisp, it lo- as opposed to the crumpled up things that you get nowadays, where you open the packet and go, are there, are there any potatoes in here? The answer is, of course, there are. It's just that they're all mashed up. And so we had to go through because they shone a light behind it and it made it look like, oh, look, it's all, all the crisps look like this. They don't, of course. But that's how it was. And so we had to pretend to be opening the packet. So after they'd opened the packet with the crisp in, they then resealed it with a little bit of glue and then he had to rip it open and they go, look, the crisp. And then sometimes, as he was opening it, he crushed the things anyway. But all in an effort to make food look perfect. There was a whole book written once on... Food that they use in magazines, where they spray it with glycerin. So it's never edible, it's just so it looks good for the magazine. And so they can make it look very appetising. And, and I quite like that. And there's a special company out there that does a lot of filming for food books. And they've got loads of standard pictures. So most of the stuff that the, the people cook, very rarely, very rarely, there are occasions, obviously, where the actual stuff they've cooked is that photograph you see in front of you. Mainly it's a library picture of, you know, Coco Van or something, because it all looks the same to me. It all looks the same. There's nothing particularly interesting about looking at profiter roles, is there? And I do watch the cooking programmes on the television, and I'm always intrigued by the, the end results, especially those cooking with halogen ovens. I love watching them cooking with a halogen oven. And they've got various things going on there. And they've got all these women on the Living Channel who are eating this stuff as they're going through. And a couple of slightly dubious men on there as well. But I'm, I'm intrigued by watching jewellery. I, I cannot get away from the jewellery channels at the moment. I wouldn't buy any of it because it's rubbish. But you watch them and, they, and they, they have to put up the disclaimer. You know, this is £11,600. And then the price shown neither represents the value uh, or the, the worth or the value, or what was the other thing, the value, or the... It was, whatever it was, they actually covered themselves, and it was a part of rubbish. But people buy it, because on television, things look good. And you see things. I mean, it is... It's, it's not quite like going through the Lakeland catalogue, where you go through it and think, I really need this. And then you go to the Lakeland shop, and you go, I really want this. Because you can see it. It's difficult buying jewellery on television, so that's why, predominantly, it's women sitting there going, oh, that's quite good. And they go, and these earrings are a pound. And you go, gee, that's brilliant pound for earrings and they call them diamondique or they call them all sorts of strange names they're, they're not diamonds at all even when they sort of show you a ring with a cluster of diamonds around the outside they're almost like industrial diamonds which means they're very cheap and tacky but uh, they look good all put and they go and this is really difficult to put together and they're selling it for like 25 pounds but they had earrings the other day at a pound earrings at a pound but then the post and packing was seven pound 99 kind of defeated the object i thought 14 no 16 minutes to six Morning, 12 minutes to six. Uh, have you tried gargling with warm salt water? Says Liz and John. Uh, try gargling with paracetamol, although salt water is best. June says, on the way home, buy some papaya. Very good for the throat and a cough. Hope it's better soon. Uh, manila honey, I think you mean manuka honey. Uh, can't take honey, I'm afraid. Cannot take honey at all. And Dave says, don't use mouthwashes. You're asking for problems as it kills your friendly germs that kill the outside germs. Sore throat, throat is an inflammation and, uh, and is your body killing the virus? I imagine it's got the energy at the moment. Do you remember, um, 
uh, some years ago on the programme, we used to uh, have coming in uh, Gary Hales. Gary Hales was from EastEnders. He played Barry. Uh, he was Michael Cashman's other half in the programme. He's uh, a very successful actor, and he's a taxi driver, got a lovely wife and everything else. Anyway, he used to come in and we used to do a piece, and he'd, he'd look through the papers for us overnight uh, at LBC 97.3. And one night he said to me, he said, can I bring in Pete Dean? Peter Dean. And I said, what, Pete Beale? And he went, yeah. And uh, Peter came in, because you remember Pete uh, was in EastEnders, I think practically from, from the beginning, and he played the stallholder, which was ironic because his family were stallholders. And, uh, and he came in, and he was absolutely charming. He was lovely. And then he disappeared. And we didn't know where he'd gone. And we had no idea at all until today, when I got a letter from Peter Dean, who's uh, residing currently in Tottenham. So uh, we send our best wishes to him. And he, he said he was clearing out some of his Music Hall collection of posters. And he sent me one because he remembered that I loved magic. And this is a, a theatre poster from 1935 uh, for the Chester Royalty Theatre... Shouldn't imagine it's even there anymore. And it had Jasper Maskelyne, the master magician, uh, who was headlining, with some some amazing acts on the bill, which you've never heard of. I hadn't heard of them at all. The Pickford Sisters, the World Dancing Sweethearts, the Borstal Boys, Continental Eccentrics, always in a mix-up, and uh, Christopher and Columbus, Comedy Bar Act, Pauline and Diana Owens, Les Storks, Gymnast with a dash of humour, and Bert Hughes and company in their exciting game of basketball on cycles. Do you know, the days of variety, ladies and gentlemen. Here in Leicester Square, of course, you had one of the biggest variety theatres going. I've got photographs of uh, the back here, where we are, on the Charing Cross Road, uh, where Barclays Bank is, was the huge Leicester Square Theatre. Enormous. There's even a plaque on the wall. And the good and the great appeared there. But uh, this is a lovely poster. I'm going to go and get it framed up later on today, because it's really lovely, from 1935. So, Peter, thank you for that very much indeed. Well done for remembering. He said, you were very nice to me. He said, it's my way of saying uh, a big thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed. It's very nice indeed. Very, very nice. And also nice to hear from you as well, which is always good news, because people were asking after a short while ago, saying, where is he? I said, I've got no idea. No idea. Uh, try Cavonia throat spray for short-term relief, says Anthony, the black cab driver at London City Airport. I tried that one. That's one of the ones I've got. Cavonia. And uh, he says, speaking of cheap, tacky jewellery, David Van Day was at the London XL Beauty Show yesterday, selling jewellery, £3 for a necklace. Unfortunately, Jordan was there too. Oh, dear. What a shame. Uh, John says, Steve, I went to the doctor's yesterday. When I was leaving, he shook hands with me. Surely that wasn't a good thing to do. I've never heard of a doctor shaking hands. I've never shaken hands with my doctor. I just say, morning. And she says, morning. What can we do for you today? And I might go in and go, I think I'd like one of these throat sprays, I'm afraid. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, like you, I used to smoke 60 cigarettes a day. And since giving up, I've never, I've had a never-ending round of coughs, colds and sore throats. Maybe I should start smoking again. Well, do you know, I said exactly the same. You've mirrored everything that I've said on the programme. The moment I stopped smoking, I became ill. And I think it was all due to the fact that people were explaining about the tar falling off your lungs and all that kind of thing. But uh, I've been smoke-free. Well, smoke-free, I haven't smoked anything. I'm not saying I've not been in smoky atmospheres. But I haven't smoked a cigarette for... It must be a good... Ten years, I would think now. Ten years. I couldn't remember exactly when it was. I can remember, I can remember when we sort of went through the phase of trying to stop smoking. But you're right. Since I've stopped smoking, I've been nothing but ill. 
pain, isn't it, really? Managed to collect diabetes, you managed to collect heart problems, and everything goes under the sun. You're right, I'm sure when I was smoking, I was healthier. But uh, I can't go back to it now. I've, I've just, I've got this inbuilt thing that says, no, do not go back to uh, to smoking cigarettes. I so really want, want to go back to smoking them, but, uh, but I can't. Uh, Pauline says, on your way home from the station, go to Waitrose and buy ginger. Peel about two inches and slice it and make a tea with hot water. Put honey in if it's too terrible. And uh, Louisa at SRB recommended when I lost my voice in November, it worked. And within hours, I was back on the phone. Yes, people keep going on about ginger. Perhaps I should try and go and get some uh, ginger. I'll go to Paul Cooper. He'll, he'll sort out ginger for me, I think. Mark the bailiff's off out this morning. Watch out if you owe money on the car. He's heading your way. Pamela, thank you very much indeed. She sends good wishes. And, uh, uh, and Julie says, hot lemon. And when you get home, no talking. A bit hard for you. It's just physically impossible. It's physically impossible to actually go home and not talk. You've got to talk, haven't you? It's, and I've got so much, uh, so much this week. We've got a lot of uh, in conversations to record. Yesterday we had Gilbert O'Sullivan and Jenny Agata, which I think is running this weekend. Next weekend, which will be the 18th, it's my birthday on the 17th, and Johnny's birthday around about the same sort of time. Uh, Saying, say, say, it's all right. I didn't want. To, I, I didn't forget. I've just. I know it's the same day. Johnny's having a huge party down in his uh, hometown of Essex. And um, so lots of people... I, of course, will be having my own private party uh, with just a couple of close friends at a restaurant in London. Invites only. It's, uh, we, always go, we always do it on my birthday, which is the seventh. And then the following week, I'm going off to the theatre to see Matilda as a treat from another one of my friends. So, you know, I could have gone to Johnny's party, but I'm not. He's going to be a little bit younger than I am, which is good. So there's going to be the in-conversation on the Sunday is going to be me. I'm the in-conversation guest on the Sunday. For the first time ever, although it might have happened before in another building a long, 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 long time ago. But James O'Brien interviewed me the other week, so that'll be running not this weekend, but the following weekend. This weekend, Gilbert O'Sullivan and Jenny Agata. Uh, The week after me, I think it's going to be Kate O'Mara and Bear Grylls, who's in as well. His real name's Edward, you know. Edward, but it's obviously uh, a sister nicknamed Edward, Edward Bear, Teddy Bear. So that's why Bear Grylls stuck. Uh, then the week after that will be, uh, I think, Zach Braff, Alexander Armstrong, Michael Bolton, Danny DeVito, Ruth Jones. I skirted over a couple of them quite quickly, just in case you were going, good grief, they're all coming in. Absolutely. But uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan was an absolute delight. Abs- I've, I can't believe that we've managed to uh, miss each other after all these uh, years on the circuit. He's been performing, got a new album out, which is The Greatest Hits. And uh, he's, he's very, very good. Ian in Bedfont says, I always shake hands with my doctor when I leave his surgery. We're of a similar age. And I think we do it because we realise that one of us might not see the other again. Live every day as if it was your last, because one day you'll be right. Yes, but you'll never know about it, will you? I've, I've also adhered to that one. Live every day as if it was your last. Find up the NM Revenue later. Try and be nice to them. But, it's, but you're right. It is absolutely right. You should do that. But I've never shaken hands with a doctor. I've never even heard of shaking hands with the doctor before. This must be some new thing. I just get up and say thank you. Gargle with TCP, very good. Steve, I've had a cough for over two years. I've stopped drinking orange juice and eating very acidic fruit, and it's much better. Well, I don't drink orange juice. Being diabetic, I can't really. I haven't drunk orange juice for years now. I used to drink a load of it. Used to drink a load of it. I used to drink a load of uh, a fizzy drink. I don't do fizzy drinks either now. There's so many things that you that you tend not to do. And, you know, I used to have a fridge full of of uh, Pepsis and Coca-Colas, and then I did Diet Coca-Cola and things like that. Now I don't have anything like that at all. Lemonades. I don't think I've had a lemonade for ages and ages. 
long, long time. Maggie Smith and Dan Stevens have thrown Downton Abbey bosses into panic amid fears they're set to quit the show. I shouldn't think so. For an instant, they'll be doing this. Look, Dame Maggie, they, they say she hasn't signed yet. Oh, she will. I promise you she will sign. That's what people do now, don't they? they, they because it's, it's work. It's absolutely work. And, in fact, Jenny Agata, they've just signed up for, you know, this, uh, this midwife series. Well, they've just recommissioned again for, for next year. So she'll be doing that. It's a, it's a nice thing to do. Very, very nice thing to do. Lord St. John Stevens has, uh, has died. The high Tory who defied Margaret Thatcher. And uh, Lord Heseltine said yesterday he was a one-off. Had a great wit. and used to annoy the Prime Minister. <laughs> can well believe it. And Victoria Beckham leaves the cooking to Dave and loves listening to old Bridget Bardot songs. I wasn't aware there were old Bridget Bardot songs. I've heard of some singers in my time, but I've never known of anybody... Like uh, Bridget Bardot. I thought she was just an actress, Bridget Bardot. Very sort of sexy actress, you know, of that sort of genre. But I didn't know she was known for singing. When he was a player at AC Milan, she said, Dave took Italian cooking lessons. He's a professional at risotto and pasta. Not difficult pasta, you just drop it in hot water. And risotto, you just chuck it all in a pan. How complicated. You had to go to cooking school for that. It reminds me of that joke, doesn't it, where Alex Ferguson came round to, uh, to Dave and Posh's house. And D- Dave's in the kitchen, and he's going, oh, I'm really struggling with this one, Alex. He goes, what are you doing? He says, I'm doing a jigsaw. He said, what is it? He said, I think it's a cockerel. He goes, Dave, put the cornflakes back in the box. You know, that kind of sums it up. You don't need to be a, you know, a clever person to cook pasta and risotto. But she says, I like French old school music. I listen to Bridget Bardot on loop. I'm going to have to check this out, actually. I wasn't, I've, I've got no recordings on my iPhone of Brigitte Bardot, on loop or otherwise, I'm afraid. I've heard of, you know, I've heard of Edith Piaf and people like that, but Brigitte Bardot, I thought she, she was just sexy. She went out with Roger Vadim, I seem to remember, and that was about it. But uh, she says here she, uh, she likes fashion too much and she would never be pictured in a tracksuit, which is just as well, because she's so thin, I don't think they make tracksuits for people like her. You know, tracksuits for the slightly, slightly chunkier figure especially if they've got the elasticated waist and they're in velour and they're coloured pink, which is quite nice. You know, p- people like Jordan wear, wear tracksuits because they're very chavvy. And uh, while, whilst Vic isn't really chavvy, I think she probably used to be at some time. I've, I've always, always imagined Vic being a little bit chavvy because she, she came in. I've got an autograph from Victoria Beckham from years ago where she says, you said we'd never amount to anything. I thought, well, the group didn't really. I know they were successful as a girl group. And there was always talk of them getting back together again. But now, I mean, she is the most successful one. Out of being the most dreary one in the group, she's the most successful. It's the way it always works, isn't it? Strangely enough. Very, very strange indeed. It's LBC 97.3. The peers are moaning as well about their uh, their subsidised food. They say their porridge is like gruel, their smoked salmon is awful, and their pork escalope is uneatable. So there you go. They're moaning about it. Apparently, disappointingly says uh, Lord Naseby, the peers' dining room does not offer chilli and red. It's disgraceful. I don't know how these poor people are surviving. You want to come around Leicester Square? You've never seen such a poor selection of food in your entire life. Apart from in this building, which is very nice indeed. Looking forward to picking up a coffee this morning. News at six with Sam Pittis approaches in a matter of seconds. Steve Allen. It's five past six. Tuesday morning in L- uh, London town. This is the Barry White sound-alike for this morning. We'll be recording an album later. Um, Steve... 
that your statement you just throw everything in when cooking pasta and risotto is an insult to all Italians and chefs. Good. Well, there you go. That's sorted that out, hasn't it? Let's face it, Italian food, the only rubbish where you just throw a sauce on it and it becomes interesting. God, blimey. Pasta. Sorry, in hot water. Unbelievably difficult to do that one, isn't it? And risotto. You just buy a packet and you just empty it in and throw a bit of meat in. It's not complicated. It really isn't. Uh, Lynn says, it seems your cough and sore throat get better by the end of the weekend. Then you have the weekend off and it's back with a vengeance. What do you get up to? I don't know, actually. It, it, I'll tell you what it is. It's a bit strange because it, it, when I came in this morning, it was worse than it is now. Now it's got a bit better. And strangely enough, we don't seem to have had sort of too violent a coughing fit this morning, do we? So we've been a, been a bit... Yeah, the, the, the cough appears to be better, but the throat's gone. What next? Bits of bits dropping off your body, ladies and gentlemen. And, um, Bridget Bardot did record some songs in the 60s and 70s, but not good ones, in my opinion. But there again, Posh is, is quite balmy, says Dave. I didn't, I wasn't even aware that Bridget Bardot had recorded songs. And I thought I was well up to date with most people in this day and age. So, Dave likes to cook pasta, really difficult. You know, put it in hot water with a little bit of salt. And, uh, and a risotto, you just check everything in the pan, you know, with a tin of sweet corn, and that covers it. But, uh, I, and she listens to Bridget, perhaps she means Edith Piaf. I mean, Edith Piaf, there's lots of famous, you know, French singers over the years. There was that very famous one, Claude Francois. I only mentioned Claude Francois, and I, I mentioned him on odd occasions, because he came over here, and Claude Francois was a famous French singer who didn't want to have cosmetic surgery, but he wanted to look young. So he had made, you won't believe this, this is a, I promise you this is a, a true story, he had made a mask, a face mask, which was made out of very, very thin latex, and he pulled it over his face and it stretched everything underneath. It had the effect of making him look very shiny, but it gave him the effect of having a very, very, you know... Uh, nice skin with no wrinkles and he had these masks made for him and they were purpose made for his face and he came to London and he put the thing on and because it was so thin it was this very very thin latex almost you know almost sort of condom type and he ripped it and of course he couldn't go on stage so they had to send off for another one and they got it back in in record time I know because a friend of mine was with him at the time he was also the man who very stupidly was in his bath and the light bulb went out, and he stood up in the bath to change the light bulb and electrocuted himself. And you think to yourself, no, I mean, electricity and water, as you know, do not mix, I'm afraid. Do not mix. So uh, that's the only French person I can think but uh, Edith Piaf, but she says no, Bridget Bardot. So there you go. Uh, Steve, shaking a doctor's hand is from the 60s. I used to have to shake the family doctor's hand in my doctor's hand when I went to have my own family, says Jan. I've never heard of it before. I've never heard of shaking. You just go in there and the doctors sit. They don't want to touch you. Unless it's for medical reason, in which case they put on gloves. And I thought in this day and age it was very advisable to put on gloves. I've seen some very odd people. Very, very odd people. So, in fact, it's a case of, you know, you sit, I walk in, she goes, morning. And I go, morning. And then you sit down. She goes, when I get up, I go, thanks very much indeed, doctor. And, and walk out. <laughs> never say anything else at all. Ridiculous. Sage tea, says Mike in Sunny Horn Church. Tastes foul, smells foul, but clears the bugs. Also gargling with warm TCP. I might try the TCP thing. That's a, I love the smell of TCP. Love the smell. It's like I used to love the smell of calamine lotion. Calamine lotion was one of my favourite smells because when we were when we were younger, we used to get this prickly heat, and uh, you'd come back from the beach and your mother would cover you in calamine lotion. So she'd get a cotton wool ball and sort of dab it all. I used to love it. 
Love it. I'm not even sure if you can still get the stuff now. You probably can, actually. God, dear me, I used to love things like that. John in Malaga says, I know exactly what causes your cough. It's the dry air about you. The electric surge every now and then makes the cough now and then. Well, it's very strange, isn't it? I mean, to be honest with you, it really, it really is very odd because I'm not the only one in this building uh, who's actually got it. Loads of people have got it. It's just that it affects me more because I'm actually talking all the time. If you don't have to talk all the time, Joe was telling me because she reads the travel on on heart that uh, it's very difficult. I said because I've you know I've got a little cough button here and you sort of push it and I can have a little cough. But so far we've been okay. <laughs> so far we haven't we haven't recorded the free podcast yet. Uh, Jeff says why not have eight pints of Guinness? It won't help your throat, but you don't really care. Yeah, that's a good one. That's the same as the bottle of whiskey, isn't it? It's my favourite party game. You invite a friend round, and you each drink a bottle of whiskey, and then somebody leaves the room, and then rings the doorbell, and you've got to guess who it is. It's really good. You'll never work it out, I promise you. You sit there for ages and ages and ages, trying to work out how these things happen, but you cannot uh, cannot do it. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, or 0845 Looking at the Lords, and we do like the Lords, uh, they're whinging about their subsidised food. Uh, so here is the, the menu for the Barry Room and the a la carte menu. For starters, corn-fed chicken. Doesn't sound very exciting as a starter. Chicken, oysters and winglets with hummus, raw vegetable salad and micro-herbs. Doesn't sound very exciting at all, that one, does it? I want to eat at this place. Crab. Battenberg of white and brown crab meat wrapped in London-cured smoked salmon with lemongrass crab tea. Oh, we like the sound of that. Oh, right, I didn't like the sound of that. Jerusalem artichokes. Marinated Jerusalem artichokes with beetroot. French beans, curly endive, balsamic caviar and freeze-dried tomatoes. I don't like the sound of that one. I'm not surprised these people are going round the bend. This food is horrible. Main course is salmon. Tornados of salmon with creamed leek and mushroom, deep-fried oyster meat, Parisian potatoes and salt air. Salt? What's salt air? Calves liver. Now, if there's one thing I love, it's calves liver. I love liver and bacon with mashed potato. Yes! Sautéed calves liver cooked in a sweet onion and a Madeira juice with sage mashed potato and pancetta crisps. Well, that sounds quite nice. I'm making my mouth water on that one. And finally, English... This is what they were offered the other day. Finally, English beef, fillet of English beef with slow-braised beef shin, truffle potatoes, sprouting broccoli and wild mushrooms and Madeira juice. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Desserts. Desserts from the trolley. Compote of berry fruits and assorted ice creams or sorbets. And for this, they they pay £25. Now, £25, you might think, is is a lot of money, but this is this is very heavily subsidised. Peers who receive with no questions asked, £300 a day allowance, get £10.73 top-up for every £10 they spend in the Lord's Restaurant. Seems quite a good deal, doesn't it, really, actually? Last year, the subsidy hit £1.44 million. It's a million-pound subsidy. And uh, so now they, they found out that the, uh, the tornadoes of mushroom goes to 14.50, and the fillet of uh, beef with slow-braised beef shin goes to 25 quid. And they've all complained about it. It's dreadfully expensive. Dreadfully expensive. Uh, one whinger and diner said, My wife and I were so embarrassed, we took a distinguished Italian guest and ordered pork escalope. It was uneatable. 
I mean, you know, it's. I didn't think you could actually ruin things like Paul Escalope. I think it would be appropriate to receive a refund for three unedible pork escalopes. Another moaned, I'm aware that one noble lord was served gone-off smoked salmon in the bishop's bar the other day. The smoked salmon in my sandwich today was awful. I hope something can be done. Because the one thing, if you're going to be ill, fish is the thing that affects you quickest. If, you, if you're going to... We did a thing... Oh, it was dreadful. We did a thing ages and ages ago. Ages ago. I mean, I mean, donkey's years ago, where somebody came in and they cooked prawns for us in the studios. They brought in a wok, heated it up, and they cooked prawns. Unfortunately, the prawns were off. The guests had them within... Literally within a couple of hours. They were not very well at all. But most of the time in the bathroom. But... Uh, so you've got to be very careful. Fish, fish is the one thing that you can be ill. You can always smell fish. You'll know if, it's, if it smells right, it's OK. If it doesn't, don't eat it. 14 past six. And- Morning. 19 minutes past six. 19 minutes past six. Nick Ferrari this morning, just after news at seven. Susan Bookbinder here just after 6.30. The Sunday Times photographer Paul Conroy. Don't want to miss this. He'll be uh, telling Nick how he survived the Syrian attack that killed his friend and colleague Marie Colvin. And Nick will look ahead to the American Super Tuesday. How clean are your hands? And uh, all those nasty germs that can be passed on by shaking hands. We've got a building full of hand cream and hand wipes and hand washes and things like that. And people went through a phase of using it. Now people don't seem to use it as much. I've, I've got hand stuff which I keep in the car. But I, I try to avoid contact with people. I try not to, you know, don't touch. I can't bear to be touched. Some of those sort of things. Some people are very tactile. I'm quite a tactile person, but I don't do the shaking of the hands. I don't know what it's about shaking hands. It doesn't, doesn't quite sit with me at all. Uh, they're going to be talking about the Heathrow expansion and, uh, and also the Christopher Tappin bail decision. You've probably heard this on the news, that they've refused him bail. Now, his son uh, has been on... Nick's programme before. It's, it's, you should really listen to that. He's such an articulate young man. And uh, Neil Tappin will be talking about his uh, father. Uh, plus, Jewish News will be presenting a Lifetime Achievement Award to Holocaust survivor Ben Helfgott. He represented Britain in two Olympic Games and has been awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Jewish News as part of its Jewish Living Expo. So, all with Nick Ferrari. After the news at seven o'clock this morning. Do you know what they're thinking of doing? You know that we, we managed to bring in a smoking ban, and I still say to this day how they got it in, I've got no idea. But they did. Now, doctors want smoking banned in parks, as well as homes and cars where children are present. How the dickens are they going to cope with that? How on earth are they going to stop people? Put it this way, I remember some time ago they were saying, uh, and don't forget, uh, you can't smoke in lorries, you can't smoke in this and that. We have bin men around our way in Twickenham who smoke in their lorries. I've seen the refuse collectors smoking in their lorries. I've seen taxi drivers, licensed taxi drivers, smoking in their cabs. I've seen people with, with a cigarette on but holding the cigarette outside the car window. So people are obviously doing it. Nobody's been, nobody's been prosecuted for it. And I've seen women smoking in cars when they've got kids in there but the windows are all done up. And you think, surely, I mean, with a modicum of intelligence, you would open the window a little bit. But I can't see how they ever... Can you imagine trying to ban cigarette smoking in parks? 
I remember Candid Camera did some ludicrous stunt years ago, and it's, it's so stupid, it's so simple, that you thought nobody would fall for it. As a Candid Camera used to go out there and, and do stunts, but Jeremy Beadle followed it up with, with Beadle's About, doing roughly the same sort of thing, different, different kind of scenarios, but anything to fool the public. Some of them very bizarre, some of them very funny, some of them just cringeworthy. And in one of them, and Candid Camera, they didn't have much money in the budget, they thought that they, they would put a... <laughs> the early days when you could tell people what to do, they put um, a mat outside a public park, and a sign saying, please wipe your feet before you went into the park. As people were going in, they were wiping their feet and going into the park. A little bit like when we had, um, you know, people going onto farms, where there was all those, those problems with the, the cattle which were being shot, and people had to go through all these disinfectant bars. They just put a mat outside a park and said, now please wipe your feet. And people walking in with their dogs wiped their feet on the mat and walked into the park. Seems a lot easier, doesn't it, really, I suppose? A lot easier. It'll, it'll never happen in this day and age, because now I've, I've told you about it. We live in France, says Mick, and uh, the doctors here come out of the waiting room to invite you into their surgery with a shake of the hand and then escort you to the door when you leave and shake hands again. Blimey. Well, yeah, they're probably only seeing about two patients every week. Over here, they've got you know, hundreds of patients to see in the course of... They don't have time to walk you to the door. I think I'd be, I'd be quite funny, actually, if I actually said to my doctor, would you like to walk me to the door now? Just imagine the response I'd be getting. So it certainly wouldn't be, yes, Stephen, that's fine. My Indian clients, says Peter, tell me that turmeric in warm milk is great for sore throats. <coughs> I've never heard of that one, actually. I've, the very idea of putting turmeric in warm milk sounds horrible. Turmeric in warm milk, that's that orange thing, isn't it, now? Ooh. Mind you, as, as John says, maybe the doctors are secret masons. That's why they have the handshake. It's probably done to, to us social people. It may be psychological. When I hear your voice going high or getting a bit worse, I clear my throat and I don't have a bad throat anymore. You will. You will. Actually, it depends where you work. It, in, in Eschening, that it, you, you do get, you know, germs passed around, I'm afraid. Smells you liked so used to be syrup of fig, germaline. Oh, germaline. Oh, I shall love the smell of germaline. Oh, that was... Lunch for the Lords is subsidy-free, would the peers complain. Some people, says Anne, would be glad to have a meal for the family, however slight. They should stop moaning. And Yvonne in Telford, good Lord, Telford, that's a lovely place, says the biggest germ carrier is money. Money, it is. It's notes and it's, uh, it's money, I'm afraid. Uh, did Bridget Bardot not record Devon had French bread with chicken and salad made by his lovely wife? So they certainly normally at home. Yes, I think, yes... I'm not sure. I mean, Stuart says raw vegetable salad in the House of Lords. That's a bit novel, isn't it? Yes, I, I agree. Sue says our doctor often shake hands as we leave, especially if it's been a long consultation. See, I've never heard of this before. This, this must be some new system that's coming out now where, where doctors have got enough time to shake. I thought they were too busy, you know, sort of, you know, typing things into the computer. You know, because my, my doctor's sitting the other side of a desk. I'm not going to lean up and shake her hand. I just say thank you very much indeed. I'm assuming she doesn't want to shake my hand. I've never tried it. And uh, Sue says, my husband has had some bad times, and the doctor shook his hand and said, God bless. See, I'd think that was fatal. <laughs> if somebody said God bless, you think, well, where do you think I'm going? I'd say that. Judy says, gargled with a few drips of TCP in half a glass of water every night. Never had a sore throat. Could be the reason I'm s still single, though. Yes, it's always something, isn't there, really? Well, that's the, the amount of people saying, why don't you chew on a garlic clove? That'll work for you. <laughs> uh, try uh, some vitamin C and zinc lozenge. Lozenges from Holland and Barrett. They're very great, says Diane. And uh, a lot of people are recommending honey. Honey I can't have. I've, I've lost time, lost track of the amount of time. I've told people I cannot have honey, I'm afraid. 
Uh, try gargling with sage. Infuse a handful of sage leaves in boiling water. Strain once cool gargle as often as you can. Got to be an easier way than sort of going out and cutting up ginger and all the rest of it. Drives me mad, doesn't it, really, all of this stuff. So, I wonder if they're going to actually manage that. Banning smoking in cars. This is from the Royal College of Physicians. They've also demanded higher tobacco taxation and for fancy packaging to be banned. They've, they've thought about that before, the fancy packaging. Do you remember that they were saying if we actually sort of cut back on it, uh, then it'll stop people smoke? It won't. I, I wish it would stop people smoking, but it absolutely won't. If somebody's going to smoke, they're going to smoke. Doesn't make any difference uh, at all. Uh, one here, very quickly. And uh, the thing to fit your, uh, your poor throat is uh, let's get the world... Let, let's get together for coffee. If it doesn't help your, your, your cough, at least we've had a good old moan about things. And uh, I just wish it wasn't there. But mind you, it, by, by tomorrow morning, it should be a whole lot better, I suspect. Front pages of the papers. Daily Mirror still running with Pauline Quirk, her story. Fat woman to thin woman. Uh, because she chose this diet. The company approached her and said, do you want to do this diet? And uh, presumably she's been paid money for it, so she's brought out the book. It's, you know, it's the same story for lots of other people. <coughs> a tearful schoolgirl telling of a horror after her gorgeous boyfriend turned out to be a girl. Uh, the Daily Star. Harry's secret lust for Katy Perry. I think they're making it up. Uh, and Paul McCartney saying it's very tough being famous. He, don't, he likes being famous, but he just wants people coming up to him all the time in restaurants. So if you see Paul McCartney out, don't approach him. Daily Express, the wonder pill beating heart disease, the £1.40 a day tablet saving thousands of lives, and the benefit cheat mum who invented ten children, two of them disabled on the front page of The Sun this morning. That's it. We'll do the free podcast. We'll have that up for you a little bit later on. Check out the blog on lbc.co.uk. Thank you for all your advice this morning. I shall take it to heart. And uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at four. Coming up next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. Welcome to Cross Channel Challenge. Define yellow and spell it. University England. Bright colour. Y-E-L-L-O-W. University France. No. Yellow Village. Y-E-L-L-O-H. The best holiday campsites in France, Spain and Portugal. Great choice with Yellow Village. Seaside, countryside or mountains from just €39 per night for four persons. Minimum stay two nights. Sail with DFDS Seaways Dover to France.